Merson has scored it. Arsenal legend Paul Merson, John O'Shea and Wes Brown are coming to Dublin. It's an exclusive off-air event, so if you want to be there, get on to offtheball.com forward slash events. Just Eat, the official food delivery partner of the UEFA Champions League. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Friday morning, half past seven. You're very welcome along to OTB AM. Shane, good morning to you. Morning, Adrian. Colum, thanks. Good morning to you. Adrian and Shane, happy Friday. What are you Googling right now, Colin? <laughs> uh, just uh, what happened last night. No, I was putting it out there, right? I was having this chat the other day with someone, um, and we were like, how did Mass start? What's the first line that the priest would say? I thought you meant, how did, how did someone come up with the idea of Mass? No, I, you understand, mean, I, I understand the origins. What was how, the, does, how does the priest start Mass? Because at the end, they were like, let's go in peace to love and serve the Lord, thanks be to God. So we have that. But anyone, well, how does Mass start? Was it a prayer or a general greeting? This um, I don't know how this all started, but I do know that Five minutes ago, I picked up the Daily Mail and I uh, was devastated. To yeah, I couldn't believe Adrian's face. He, he hadn't heard the news. He was Such joking. a big part of my college years, particularly. Jerry Springer, the man who invented trash TV, it says here. I would not describe this trash TV. It was such good TV. Compelling TV has passed away at the age of just 79. Mm. Jerry, Jerry. It was like, he was just a staple of all of our... Not right for a chain. No, no, that's... Uh, and Barry Humphreys during the week as well. All the greats. Yeah, yeah, um... You'd call, I was going to say a couple of comedic greats because Jerry Springer show was comedy, ah, it was. wasn't it? It was annoying. Like, it was, there was annoying on it. There's a smirk, like sometimes when there was people on the show that were quite clearly mates, but they're shouting at each other, and Jerry has a little smirk behind yeah. him. He's like, "This is brilliant." He, he know he knew it was brilliant. a lot of acting. I would have thought a lot of too. it was like in everybody's part, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Now Jerry Jerry Springer was a bit of a legend. Only seventy nine. Yeah, I was a bit shocked when I heard that yesterday. Yeah, he's right. a young man, like yeah, yeah. So that's Jerry. the bottom of the. Have you got to the bottom of the fourth mystery over there? I can't get still, it. You're still struggling. I can't get it, but look, we'll, we'll move on. Yeah, Loads I'd talk be about. happy to move on from yeah. that one, all right, yeah. Um, to the snooker, of course, because myself and Shane were glued to it last night, Shane. It was uh, it's hard to beat it, lads. Remember now what we decided beforehand. <laughs> Come on now. Could, we could have an Irish winner. Colin, we could have an Irish winner for the first time since Ken Doherty in 97. Yeah, we'll Mark Allen. Plenty of time to talk about that. Mark Allen's 5-3 ahead of and Mark Selby. And he's trying to think of it now in the semi-final, you see. Best of 33. We're yeah. down to one table, as Shane's been telling us oh, for the yeah. last... Three months, it seems, mm. since it kicked off. And yeah. He's flying at 5-3 up. And Unbelievable. Cooking a long, lovely break yesterday. He was nip and tuck. He was 4-3 up. Uh, takes the takes the blue and cannons into the pack. Yeah. T- gets a bit of a lucky break with the, one of the reds hovering over a pocket. And uh, yeah. cleans up pretty That last frame, like Selby could have taken that last frame, and yet they, it was Long, long way to go. How many more sessions would could they have? I think it's I think it's four sessions in total. Um, to best of 33. It could be four sessions. Right. Sometimes it's finished in three, but... Um, the way Alan's playing, like the way he's played all season, you wouldn't bet against him. Like he's lost six stone, as I was saying the other day. Some of the Irish lads went up to him in, the, in Sheffield last week and said, "You're half the man you used yeah. to be." He's um, Ronnie helped him to. He did, to yeah, yeah. Way. Ronnie was was fairly pivotal in, in all that. I once saw Mark Allen hit a one four seven at an exhibition. Ronnie was there as well at the Hillgrove Hotel in Monaghan Town. Wow. So um, he's a man that lo- likes a little exhibition. John Virgo was there doing live commentary. Are they um, are they all in twos now? By the fact that uh, like. Uh, Ronnie's out. Is that suddenly like oh, the vistas open and yeah, he's here for the taking now? Because playing Ronnie is is you, you, like snooker is never really home and away. But when you're playing Ronnie, you're very much the away player. Mm. Like nobody wants you to win. Mm. Uh, the crowd is clearly not behind you. But um, Ronnie being out, I'd say, gives them all a kick. They're, I'd say I couldn't confidently now predict who is going to win of of the remaining four. Uh, Mark Selby is class, but he's not good for snooker, says John Claffey. 
I like Mark Selby as a person, and he's come out and said a lot of good things about um, his own mental health battles and that sort of thing. He had a very tough upbringing as well. Um, But his style of play, yeah, his style of play is is fairly tough to watch. I think Ronnie is called him the torturer. Mm. Just slow and it's methodical. Grinds you down a bit. Yeah, completely. Thought out. It's like Cliff Thorburn kind of vibes. We used to have, um, in the house that I grew up in at home, um, we used to have a room that was called the old shop because, funny enough, it used to be a shop. And uh, we used to have my brother converted it into a crucible theatre column. And um, we used to play. We got it for one uh, Christmas. We got um, snooker table. Steve Davis, Pop Black. Ah, uh, yes. So it wasn't your full size, clearly, but it was somewhere between that and one of the little jokey ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, we used to go full bore. Like we'd be, we'd have our little corners. We'd have our uh, drinks set up. <laughs> You'd enter the crucible. We would play for days on end. There would be absolute war. I'd say so between brothers. You hit the, you, you knocked the ball. You hit the table. I didn't get that. And we'd our little scoreboard as we went along. <laughs> so I was suggesting to him now, like thirty years later. Um, that we should try and recreate oh. that at a club somewhere in Dublin. But it's, it, you should for sure. And I, I think these next few weeks, a lot of people will probably pick up a cue for the first time in years. It's yeah. Same as around Wimbledon, everyone yeah. wants to play tennis again. Brilliant, uh, brilliant. But for the kids, particularly, you now the ruckus. What do you think, Colin? Would you be? What's your, what are your I thoughts? I can't on believe that? the amount of space Eric Dyer gave Marcus Rashford last night for the second this goal. Is, this is what I'm dealing with. Did you, when you were, when you were younger, did you? What was your introduction to snooker? Was it? <laughs> My introduction to snooker, Ken was probably my introduction to snooker. Right. But not the 97 when I was probably just a bit too young, but the 03. And did you start playing off the back of that, like? I didn't play, like, I, I, we had a small, tiny snooker table. I mean, one of those tiny little, little yeah, of, the little ah, crap ones. You can't ones. even count that. I know, you travel one nearly, like. Yeah, essentially. And then I would have played, like, misspent youth, playing pool in, in the pub with your mates. Yeah. That sort of thing. Um, but I just loved watching it. There was something cathartic about it. There was something relaxing about it. But there was also something... Insanely intense about it, yeah. And I've intense, got I found yeah. that when I'm at when I'm at. The Are you a competitive well. person by nature? Oh, ridiculously, are you? Oh, remarkably competitive. Like if you were if you were in uh, in playing a game against snooker against your brother, for example, things weren't going. Yeah, on, well, potentially you, seventh brother get on. Well, we get out. We get on grand. But, but how like, would that be like if it was? You know, eight all, next round the winner. I'd freak out. Like, if if he, I'd be fine with it. But then if he slagged me on the way home, I'd be like, no, no, no I can't, like, I can't. Even I though, if I, we're playing board games at home, I'm, I'm I, I can't it. cope with that. No, there are certain people in my life who, if I get beaten, I'm just not happy with it. Yeah, it will frustrate the life of you. Yeah, yeah brother, the brotherly stuff is. Do you have a brother, Colin? No. no brothers. See, the brother thing is a, is a different this, vibe. This is making good, good columns. It is, yeah. Let us, let us, sorry, let us know in the comments why you want us to talk about snooker. And tell us how much you love snooker. Tell us your first memories. Did you watch Higgins in 82, the Black Ball final in 85? Uh, prove Colin wrong here, basically, by filling the comments with snooker. Darrow Tool says uh, that he's assuming that a young me uh, snooker player had to take much harder shots than his brother. Hashtag crappy quiz. There you go. Oh, <laughs> see he's done there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was often, there was often slight... Sleight of hand. JP Wright, voice actor. Looking at United's fixtures in form, they could drop out of the top four and allow Villa or United in. Credit to Newcastle, who are awesome again. Did you, were you alive for the Black, Black Ball final 85? No, you would have been too young. So Villa could actually really get top four here. Like, we were kind of joking. It's like the a other twin day. track. It's a twin track show this morning. Yeah, we were joking the other day. I mean, but if we're going to talk about football this morning, it'll be. It'll obviously have to be um, the United game last night, United Tottenham. You know you want to call me happy? You happy, yeah. Is this a trend? Is this 2-2 stuff, 2-0 uh, up at half-time and fall to crap in the second half? Is this a trend now? Can we... You'd be concerned as United, if, you're, if you're United um, on that second half performance because at 2-0 you're thinking this is game over. The top four is secured. I think the top four is still secured when you look at the table. But um, it's, it's more the manner of the performance. Know, I don't know. Do you not think so? I don't know. I don't, I, I thought ah, yes. We were only saying two days ago. And I, I think the top I, four was as more, Surely even more of that belief now. Uh, just a very, very outside shot of Aston Villa 
possibly. Doesn't like it? it is actually remarkable that Spurs are ahead of Villa. Still, still, yeah, yeah, just about like level on points, but they're ahead I, of Villa. That, that just says how bad Villa's start of the season. Yeah, was. it's incredible, and like the job that Unai Emery's done. And I, I was thinking in my head this morning, I was envisioning a world where last day of the season, Aston Villa break into the top four at the expense of Manchester United, and the then top, Unai, the Unai, Unai Emery is interviewed afterwards, and I'm imagining. Would he give any credit to Stephen Gerrard? Would he be really humble and well, euphoric and be like, I look, I, look I'm only, I was only inheriting a great He spot. could only do that if it was followed by a laugh because... I know, but I, I wonder... 15th in the table when... He I don't know why my mind went there, but that's what I was thinking. I was and like, I wonder was what, how, he'll, uh, how gracious he'll be because it is remarkable the job he's done. I think, look, I think you're right. I think the top four as it is, as we're looking at right now this morning in the, in the table, mm. it's probably how it will end. Uh, but for Manchester United, yeah, it's concerning, but I uh, was very impressed by Tottenham's second half showing because mm. they were poor in the first half like really really poor and like I wasn't joking there when I said that like Eric Dyer like the jockeying he didn't go near Rashford I know it's on his weaker side uh, but Rashford's like Rashford renowned for power on each foot uh, Rio was saying in the analysis after he was like he was he was talking about it as a trend with Dyer. with Dyer why are you not getting in on top of him mm. he, he, he was saying why are you not getting in and giving him a bit of a push yeah. and sort of like making yourself felt a bit she's standing off him you'd sort of half understand that if he was a little bit wider but he was really narrow like it was it, uh, mm. and I, I don't know did Dyer think he was further out from goal or had a tighter angle again but it, like from a United perspective you're looking at being like this is probably going to be a goal here as soon as Rashford got control of the ball and it was a one-on-one situation mm. I think Longley was joining in to help yeah. but if Dyer's is showing him down that side like I understand he was like, I don't want him to cut in his right because he'll definitely score then. But that actually, the angle that Rashford shot from is a classic Marcus Rashford angle where it actually is quite tight. But he had such power and accuracy that it would go in. I had no doubt in my mind that he was going to finish that chance. Yeah. Uh, the United team just doesn't look the same without Martinez or Varane. Like, it's just the, and also the shape the, is the first choice left back has to play centre back, even though he's doing a pretty good job of that, Luke Shaw. Him, yeah. So the back four last night is nowhere near what United's strongest team is. Casemiro is slightly falling off the the peak of February's form mm. but as Phil was saying earlier in Napoli League and he was like look it's just blown out of proportion massively the hoopla around Casemiro and that he was never that brilliant when everyone was saying he was a mark when that Sunday Times article was written about him in, the, in February being like, you know, one of the though. greatest midfielders playing the Premier League no, I, I, he was brilliant but also he's not playing that badly anymore it's just uh, or now it's just it's slightly tailored off from reputation that he had in February maybe he looked brilliant because of the players that were around him like if you're thrown into thrust into that United team you're going to look good anyway because there's, there's but a lot of players haven't looked good in the last decade when they are thrust into it that are on paper brilliant players yeah. they've fallen into the United culture of of mediocrity mm. I think he actually helped to to raise people's games around them but I think you've already touched on it Shane is that like the, the missing link at the moment is the Verano Martinez yeah. partnership or lack of I think the apology in front of them. was mm. the thing that uh, really you know Got Tottenham into you know pulled Tottenham <laughs> from the fires last night, wasn't it? I what you know what I was yeah. thinking last night two 0 down at half time. Post apology. Where do they go from here? Where do they go from here? <laughs> um, <laughs> genuinely, like the you know the two 0 down. You have get Levy out of our club coming in from the stands. The, yeah. You have the United fans singing Harry Kane will see you in June. They get booed off at half time. You are thinking like it's not hindsight because we call it out during the week. Mm. The apology was embarrassing. Um, like where, where? What room does it leave you? Yeah, and I know. Look at they—they they come back. They get two goals. There's a hat full of chances that either side really. Yeah, could have there was loads. Ended up winning that game in the end, but um, they're both so dragged down by their own mediocrity. It feels like they're unwilling to reach out and grasp yeah. the level yeah. of victory. That's why it was. 
such an interesting game because there's such flawed sides, the two of them. Oh, completely. And they should be much better than they are considering what they have resources-wise. But Spurs, like, what an interesting team. Uh, there's never been a nil-all in the Premier League in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Mm. Spurs haven't drawn at home nil-all in the Premier League since 2017. That's mad, isn't it? And also at the same time... Maybe it's not. I don't know what the, they're the stats... They're conceding bucket loads of goals. So only Leeds United have conceded more in the Premier League in 2023 than Spurs. And yet they're fifth... So they actually are, they're a high-scoring team if you look at their goals for like it's, it's more than most. So you're thinking, geez, if you were to reflect on this campaign for Tottenham, you'd be like, they were kind of Kevin Keegan, Newcastle era, 4-3s and 3-2s and it was all very exciting. Yeah. But it seems to me that it feels around Spurs that they just lose all the time yeah. and yet they're fifth. But <laughs> I feel like them for coming back. I feel like if I was a Spurs fan, I'd be saying, I love you, but you are not serious people. Mm. Mm. They're really, I mentioned it a number of weeks back that they're a bit of a pretend club. Like leaning into it here, you know. Like y- y- we, one has a tendency to maybe overestimate things, right, or to overstate positions and stuff. They what, are what do you mean by pretend club? Though fifth in the table, they're just sort of makey uppy. They're a great like, club with great history. History, I know history. They ha- they're they're, they're a grand club with grand history. Do you know? Who Tottenham? Yeah, you couldn't say they have great history. You'd never say they were like. If you start to ream off the top. Mm. 20 clubs in the world they're not really going to list off the top 20 Tottenham players that we remember they'd be, it'd be a brilliant Your life well, they'd be great but I mean you could Fulham would have a great history not as good as Tottenham as well Georgie Best somewhere along the line well yeah you throw him in yeah um, you know, I don't want to be I don't want to be triggering Tottenham fans this morning they, they, they are a very good club with a very good history mm. yeah just their actual like their actual history like they won they won the European Cup Winners Cup the you Logan Roy call. quote feels appropriate. They're just not. S- I love you, but you're not serious people. Oh, that's what you were calling. Oh, yeah. 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 But they won, the, um, yeah, they won the UEFA Cup twice, European Cup, won the FA Cup a number of times. Jimmy Greaves, was he a Spurs player when he scored? You can't, you can't he was be. Scoring all those winning the FA Cup a number of times is no like recommendation that, of being a great club. Back in the day, that was a big deal. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was yeah, big yeah. Deal. Big now, but but I, no, I just think to cast aside them as being kind of like a bit meh. They are. I don't think so. I think they flattered to the sea so often. Somebody called it out years ago. Who's that now? Tony Tottenham. Oh, oh Tony Tottenham. Well, he was quoting Ferguson. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, John Smith, the comments says Colum got up on the wrong side of the cot. Yeah, he sure did. Uh, Brian says Liverpool's run is, in ha- is handy. Is, there, is it the wrong side of the cot when it's the same side every morning? I only have one side. Same to is the on. question. Right. You know I mean? Well, it was the wrong side today. No, I thought it was, I thought it was totally fine. Grant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool's run is handy aside from Villa at home United have a few tough games left final spot is still open will Shane take back his comments on Arsenal season if United don't get top four obviously like my point it was it was dependent on United finishing t- I said I would rather United okay so are any Arsenal fans out there actually going to tell me that say for example United win the FA Cup now it's unlikely that they'll beat Man City mm. but say United win the FA Cup they'll have won the FA Cup the Carabao Cup and if they get top four Please tell me that season. How can you say that that's a worse season than <coughs> Arsenal? Well, I think if they finish second and don't win any trophies, okay, you might say Arsenal are ahead of where United uh, are. Look Surely, at, I, don't know, I don't know. It feels like such a, a reductive discussion. Well, because, if Arsenal win the league, granted, why, why can't we all be successful teams? It's, it's, it's about trophies at the end of the day, isn't it? It's about development as well, but. That would be development from United's perspective. Yeah, but it, 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 also, it, it already absolutely is development from an Arsenal point of oh, view. Oh, yeah, for sure. No question. And the title wasn't one of their targets at the start of this season. No. But yeah. they've, they've moved on, they've pushed on. Like, uh, probably a victim of their own success because they've, they've overachieved the season massively. Yeah. If, if they were now breaking into the top four, 
and in second place if, what a job Mikelard Head has done yeah. it's just the order of the way they've gone about it um, oh, sorry just on last night yeah. what do you reckon who would you give or what would you lean towards would you give Tottenham credit for their second half showing or would you criticise Manchester United for falling off more probably the former I'd we have a bit of both a bit of credit for Tottenham I, I would give what did we say last week there's plenty of uh, they blame to go around it was exactly this time last week we were reflecting on the Sevilla disaster uh, but United were impressive in the first half I thought even though they dominated possession and chances that they still they, they seem to lack a bit of confidence mm. in the final third United that they're, they're not they're not going about their business as, as probably fast and as confidently as they could be certainly when you compare them and look, it's an unfortunate comparison to 24 hours earlier when their neighbours were dominating Arsenal but you look at how how quick and ruthless City are in the, yeah. the attack and United are kind of a bit unsure of themselves encapsulated by their first goal scorer last night Jadon Sancho who Beautiful finish. Should have got a second afterwards, cleared off the line by Perisic, mm. who himself should have equalised for Spurs. Yeah, it felt like a weird, a you, you, like a top ten that you would definitely do of um, goal line clearances of all time. Oh, that's a colour. It, it, it felt like la- last night didn't, didn't feel like a brilliant goal line. No, he was just sort of no. It was just good. It was good. Dribbling in, it was dribbling in. Albeit, oh, I was good. Well, if he wasn't there, it would have gone in. Uh, no, I would have done. I grant you that. Yeah. It, being a goal line clearance and all. Yeah, but uh, you have to give him credit for positioning. They're actually, the reason it, didn't, it wasn't so exciting was because of his anticipation. Mm. Oh, it's a, good, it's a fair point. Uh, David Hay was good. A few good stops. Bruno Fernandes as well has been impressive in recent weeks for United. Uh, when some players haven't. It's his, the, it's his longest run without a goal yeah. at the club. Do you think he's been impressive? I, I think he's been a fulcrum in the last few weeks. Like United have him a good last few weeks, but Bruno's been one of the players that, that has probably stood up a little bit more. Mm. He still wrecks my head and annoys me. I can't, I can't imagine how opposition fans. Well, I think everybody, everybody was saying that the collapse against Sevilla wouldn't have happened if he was there. And then obviously you see last night and you're like, well, I don't know. He was there at Anfield in the last seven nil. He was very much there. Yeah, that was a collapse. Um, just before we move on, that Everton they're in serious trouble here. Like I really thought, it's probably gone. Really actually. thought mm. they'd stay up. And then I was looking around at their players last night, and I was going through them individually, and I was like, yeah, I could see him in the championship. Could see him. Mm. Do you know what was? Be a complete. So there are what? So Southampton on twenty four points, they're yeah. gone. Everton on twenty eight points, second for bottom. Leicester City on twenty nine, and then you have the teams above that: Forest on thirty, Leeds on thirty. It's it's going to be those five now because West Ham about in fifteenth are on thirty four points. So you're talking. Everton, Leicester, and Forest, and Leeds. Two of those four go down. Was Bazunu um, dropped last night? That was that, was yeah. that the only yeah. game he hasn't played. Yeah, and as uh, as Kathleen threw into our group there, first time ever in a round of Premier League games that an Irish player hasn't started. Who's the stat person we need to thank for that? There was somebody on Twitter that came up with it. It's very good, uh, very good. But it stat. is, it is yeah. um, Irish abroad. Yeah, abroad, Irish yeah. abroad. That's a mad one, isn't it? Uh, it is. I really was surprised that I would have thought that would have happened numerous times. He. Like who knows, right? But he's obviously been in. I, I'm not watching enough Southampton games to know what Gavin Bazuna is like week in week out. You see a little bit of him. Generally, it's highlights. So he's making a save here, or there, and he looks pretty good. He's obviously been amazing for Ireland. I certainly looked at that first goal last night that they conceded, and I thought, Jesus, the keeper sort of gently shuffling across mm. and uh, got caught with the ball coming across him. I don't know. Would Bazuna have saved it? I certainly felt as if he'd have been in a better position for it. Um, mm. But I don't know. Who knows? I'm not watching enough of it to be able to say for sure. Alexander, ben, Alexander Isaac, uh, yeah. one of the great assists oh. of the Premier League last night. Top, top ten. 10. Uh, top ten. <laughs> uh, I was putting. I was putting it out there beforehand. I was like, did he actually um, do a lot of skill, or did he just run <coughs> in a straight line? And Everton didn't know what to do with him. 
I think it's because he carried the ball so far. That is a skill. Running in straight lines. So? so many players don't want to run straight. They're, they're feared. Mm. Run for goal. That's, a, that's something you're told in many leagues when you're seven or eight. But like, you, 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 people, it's people hard to run it. in a straight line because yeah. it's the most obvious line that you can yes. run. And yeah. you assume that somebody's going to take you out. Mm. So actually the skill of pretending that you're going to take a different angle yeah. is probably as... Yeah, totally. Uh, and I think there's actually a lot to be said for... Like you said, Shane, you're right. Like you should really just go direct that goal. But <laughs> if you consistently lose the ball that way, you're going to lose your confidence as well. It's like I keep on getting dispossessed because I'm going straight for goal, which I think is a lot of players take the circuitous route to avoid that confidence hit. Yeah. It's like if I go out wide and like a tackle, I'll probably go out for a throw yeah. or something, or I'll get something for it. But if you go all out down the middle, which was actually that's why it was so remarkable to watch Erling Haaland against Arsenal, where oh. he just had no respect for them and went right down the middle of them consistently yeah. and Arsenal were getting destroyed as a result now Haaland I know is a freak of nature but I'm surprised more players don't do that and have more confidence but it just goes to show tis all in the head are, are kids now going to be growing their hair long because Haaland has it I think I think Haaland dropping the hair in the 93rd minute and scoring the minute later marketing genius marketing genius I between think him and James Lowe it's like when, yeah, when yeah. I was younger David Beckham went bald so I went bald when Beckham got a Mohican I got a Mohican you went mullet, bald mullet mullet <laughs> 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 I went bald literally I, I, shared, I went to the barbers and what, what, remember Beckham 0-1 the great yeah. free kick the buzz cut shave it like I mean like I, I remember one footballer wore a, an American bandana he played for America and he, he wore a bandana so I went to the mini leagues the next week and wore a bandana and right. I bought it and got the fathered by it on eBay or something yeah. and um, so it's, it's very very influential what yeah. footballers do so I think a lot of kids are going to be like can I have can I have the Haaland flowing locks there's, there's an awful lot more commitment to have to grow your hair that <laughs> yeah, long yeah, than there is. is going in to get a buzz cut chain That's For, the, or yeah. buy a bandana on eBay <laughs> a bit more difficult yeah growing <laughs> I the hair I interrupted you there you mentioned um, Ogbené Ogbené yeah. scored for Rotherham last night as well yeah. it was probably a bit of a foul in the lead into it and uh, he heads it home from close range not so spectacular but we should not let the day go past without uh, name checking that goal to goal yeah uh, by the way JP Wright uh, voice actor uh, feels like he's like a little mini ad for himself going on there every time he comes love in, it but, yeah, uh, yeah. Man. I met Higgins and Goffs when he beat Hendry in uh, 1989 uh, mm. is that right Alex Higgins yeah it would be yeah. Hendry Stephen Hendry was there yeah, yeah. 89 yeah. 89 yeah Hendry won his first world championship in 90 Wow. There you go. Gentlemen, and uh, the first time I knew what whiskey smelled like. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it was, uh, it was one of the, like, I saw Jimmy White the other day talking about Alex Higgins and playing with him. And Ken Doherty has, has the famous story of Alex Higgins at Goffs, where he would be, he, he was one of those players who could play drunk. Like, he just mm-hmm. could, could do it for some reason. Um, and he would ask for, if he asked for an orange, he told the, the usher, if I asked for an orange juice, get me a vodka orange. And if I asked for a vodka orange, get me a double. And that was the consistent thing throughout Goffs. Yeah. And Higgins just. I mean, he was he was a genius, flawed genius, obviously, God, yeah. but um, uh, unbelievable. I saw him actually in the last few months of his life. I was at an autograph event over in Birmingham in 2010. A load of astronauts were over there, of course. That's why I was there. Mm. Um, but Alex Higgins was there, and like I couldn't even go up to him because he was he looked so frail Rattled. and fraught. And you love those uh, autograph events. I couldn't think of anything worse. Really? Yeah. Ah, they're great. Crap. Autographs, I never really got. I'm not going to lie. I was big into them. But when I was, I think it was like 15, 16, I was really into it. Yeah. Like collecting autographs and writing. So you're still into it. I'd st- see, I don't ask anyone for autographs anymore. No, it's a bit yeah. weird. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a bit weird. Isn't it? Kids nowadays just go for the selfies. Yeah. That's the new autographs. Um, there's probably something else that people go for, but that's my um, that was my thing. 
Noel Cal says that Spurs are only a big club because of their London location and a lot of friends in the media. So um, I'm sure that's a topic that we'll come back to again. Here's what's coming up between now and... Sorry, call it, Colm's silence is deafening there. Jasmine Babb has been standing by for the last few minutes. That's why Colm is getting uneasy and telling us to move on. We're going to talk, uh, dissect last night's game and look a little bit deeper into City Arsenal as well. We're going to have Alan Quinlan to look ahead to the Heineken Champions Cup semi-finals and a few more bits and bobs as well. Gilly Flaherty will join us to reflect on last night's uh, Champions League and also looking ahead to an interesting weekend in the WSL. Anna Cabless will preview the final weekend of Women's Six Nations action. Jess Kelly is back in studio and Shane is off to space a little bit later on is really all you need to know about that and Keith Wood was in conversation with Nathan yesterday that's coming your way at half past nine this morning so that's where we're at do please keep the comments coming into us we have loads as you can tell uh, to come over the next couple of hours and it is OTBAM with Gillette Labs get the ultimate shave or your money back Neon Night Edition is available now uh, it is uh, six minutes to eight Jasmine Baba good morning to you good morning thanks for being so patient <laughs> no, I enjoyed the conversation about long hair. I've been growing mine myself, so <laughs> that, trump- I know how Harlan feels. You trump us in that regard, Jasmine. There is, uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, let's get into the football. We will come to uh, the City Arsenal game. Obviously, it being one of the defining games of the season in just a couple of moments' time. But first of all, in the action last night, we've been debating here about um, was the second half collapse actually a collapse, or were Tottenham that good? Is it a trend from United? What are your um, takeaways from the game? I think Tottenham were a lot more confident in attack throughout um, both halves compared to what they had been under Stellini and the latter under Conte, just the latter stage. And I don't think they were too terrible in the first half. So I don't think it was a complete collapse. I think Tottenham's defence was just a little bit blindsided in that um, first few, first quarter. Um, They still look a little bit dodgy on attack, but every, even in the second half after they scored, Man United could cut through them quite easily. But don't think it's a complete attack. I think that would be quite unfair on Tottenham. And I can't believe as an Arsenal fan, I'm saying that as well. Um, they looked a lot more like themselves. And um, the chances that they made and took were very good. They knew to attack Man United's far post. And that's how they got their chances and their goals, ultimately. I do think some of Ten Hag's in-game management was weak. Um, I think they took a lot of the directness and what they were so good at in the first half off and didn't have anyone to really replicate that. So it was very easy to get overrun by Tottenham, who just seemed to progress as, as long as the game went on. They just kept on finding this new stamina, this new energy, whereas Man United really just kind of took their foot off the break by the end of it. Mm. Like, it does appear as if the top four is pretty much signed and sealed at this stage, barring any great sort of disasters um, for those that are in there. And, like, the narrative around United this season, Jasmine, has been pretty much that they're making progress, there's still a bit of work to do. Like, it feels almost at this stage it's about just getting to the end of the season for, and I know you mentioned, obviously, maybe there, maybe your point about Ten Hag's in-game management is a, is a major red flag that we only get to see next season when he has made a couple of additions uh, to the squad. But it feels at the minute as if it is just about getting to the end of the season, make some additions and, and start afresh again next year. Yeah, I guess it's how you want to take it, how they they manage that game against Sevilla. Um, and if the 
taking some of the personnel was the right idea or should they have gone further? I mean, they still have a chance to win silverware this season and that that plus Champions League would be a very good season and one of the better seasons that they've had in recent years. Um, I guess it is based on some of the former signings that he has to now deal with. Um, he had gotten a lot out of Fred. Um, he's getting a lot more out of Sancho more than other managers have. Um, it's just things like the bout or signing. Who are you going to get in up front instead of that? Who are you going to have as a backup pivot? Who are you going to have as a backup centre-back? Which I think seems to be the main flaws of this Man United side, looking for the kind of general round of quality. I mean, we there can be debates all day on how Harry Maguire performs, what is Harry Maguire, but um, at the end, it boils down to... He he and other players make a few too many mistakes to be a Man United player. Um, so fixing that, even though we know how much money Man United has spent in general and they should be challenging for the title based on those kind of amounts, um, it does need to be reworked and it does need a complete new kind of structure and something that feeds into Ten Hag's way of playing football and matching that across the whole squad and not just parts, which I think is the problem that we've got with him right now. Yeah, what is Harry Maguire? I feel like that's more of a philosophical question almost. <laughs> the um, the other one is, is what is Anthony Martial, Jasmine? Because he gets half an hour last night, he's anonymous once again. The Vaud Veghorst project is over, as you say. United do need, we, know, we know United need a striker, but on Martial in particular, are we seeing now that he's just not good enough to be a Manchester United player anymore? Yeah, I think it's been so up and down for him that it's just not working. And I think if you've got someone who needs a lot more consistency, especially under Ten Hag football, which is more, you need to be good with the ball. You need to have those kind of solutions in possession and know how to pass, how to lay off and be quick in that circumstances so Ten Hag's philosophy is quick possession um, not so much quick in counter-attacks but just being very flexible very dominant and almost blowing your opponent away in that way and I think that's the things that he lacks and that's why I don't think it will really fit for him at Man United anymore even though he was so good before um, it's just that level of consistency and I think he just needs to start afresh and anew somewhere else Go on Chairman, you gonna... I was just going to say that um, in-game management that you mentioned from Ten Hag like, is that Ten Hag's fault or is that just a, only serves to highlight almost the, the lack of squad depth I think it's a bit of both um, I don't I didn't really see the point of taking off Jaden Sancho, who had been a lot better or one of the better players last night. Um, and Juan Bissaka, who, even though it's not completely his fault, he was, I felt like he gave a lot more defensively. And even though Spurs were making a little bit of headway into the final third, I think some of those, it, it felt like some of those changes were, were based more on, oh, we need fresh legs rather than actually um, defensively, tactically, those 
players that he took off were probably better fitting to deal with Tottenham's like ever growing energy. Um, so I think it's a bit of both. I think he probably did need to make changes, but those changes are down to how the squad development has become and how in certain areas has lacked because they could have scored another few goals, but they have a problem in their forwards where sometimes they don't get the most clinical out of the clinical forward that they have. So if you want to take off someone like Rashford, if you want to take someone off like Sancho, who else do you have in that team? Um, even, yeah, that, that's the kind of problem that they face. There's no one to really hold up the ball for them anymore and go on to score. It, it just, it's so mis, unbalanced. Unbalanced is a good word. It just, they don't know they have that first plan of action. And if they start to feel the tide change, they don't really have the players to back that up in the second half as substitutions as they're starting 11. We're still obviously trying to make sense also of the game from the previous night. Um, the temptation of, of wanting to say, like it felt like a combination of Arsenal's slide and um, City's ruthlessness to a degree, but... I mean, I think the overriding takeaway really at the end of it when the dust has settled is that there isn't really a team in the Premier League at the minute who can lay a glove on City. Do you go with that? Yeah, <laughs> domestically, it is so hard to challenge Man City. Um, I feel like some of the kind of narratives around Arsenal of it being a failure because they dropped from so many points ahead now to what we'll probably lose the title. Um, I don't really agree with that narrative. It was never Arsenal's to compete with Manchester City in the first place. Um, I don't think anyone can compete with this Man City side. Um, there are things Man City forces other teams to do tactically that takes years of understanding, years of building, and Man City have the luxury of putting so much um, into their infrastructure, their team, um, transfers, wages, coaching, everything that other clubs can't really dominate with. And then on top, they have arguably the best manager in the world. So if we look at the last match against Arsenal and Man City in February. Um, Man City were closer, even though they won 3-1, they were closer to losing that game. Um, the silver at left back that got kind of, was very vulnerable to Arsenal's attack, especially Saka, who ran circles around him. They changed their formation from what has been a three box three, especially against the Bayern match as well, which is what I thought they were going to go with to more of a 4-2-1-3. And um, they realized that Arsenal's 10, in this case Martin Odegaard, couldn't cover two um, pivot players. So they played with two sixes instead of two eights. De Bruyne says that himself with what Pep Guardiola said. Um, so they went with Gundogan and Rodri instead of De Bruyne and Gundogan. 
So Martin Erdegaard couldn't cover these two pivot players, couldn't break through them. So Arsenal's tactic was to push up another one of their sixes, which was normally Xhaka. And um, whoever basically, if it was Xhaka or if it was Thomas Pighton who pushed up, basically De Bruyne would then come on that player's back, so move towards him and then take over the space behind him. Mm. Um, people need to understand as well that Arsenal was one of the better build-up teams, building up from the back, possessional play um, in the league. and But City's press and counter-press especially is so dominant that they disrupted Arsenal's build-up. And so as soon as they got the ball and De Bruyne is in that space from the pivot player who's, who's pushed up forward to help in attack, as soon as they win the ball back, that ball is going into the space and is going to run through Arsenal. And we saw that time after time after again. And you were saying how Haaland runs straight. And that is something he's so good at and something we haven't really seen in the Premier League because Man City used him a little, uses him a little bit differently comparatively to Dortmund, who used him in that kind of more counter-attacking, very dynamic run and shoot way. But this time he got, got to run and um, also De Bruyne to run. And it was just that space in between Arsenal that they created themselves to just run through. Um, Arsenal, uh, City, sorry, just realized that they can also just play over that one long ball over into the space that De Bruyne or Haaland found themselves into because of the lack of the pivot player and run. Um, and these aren't easy things to fix. I'm saying it as if, oh, Arsenal just needed to make sure their pivot player was there. No, because if you choose to go that way and sit back and defend and have more players behind the ball, City have an amazing short pass game, which is also going to tear you to shreds. There is no way to um, actively be like, this is an easy fix to play against one of the tactically best teams in the world because you're always going to fail in one thing. Mm. Now I've said this and they'll probably lose to Real Madrid in the Champions League because if anyone doesn't care about this stuff, it's going to be Carlo Ancelotti and he'll he'll rip it all to shreds. But um, yeah, those are the kind of strengths that you you need to fear when you face City. And that's why, especially domestically, they are so dominant. Um, It's so many things. Madrid aren't as um, naive, possibly, as Arsenal is the other point. And I was reading uh, Michael Cox on on the point that you were making. I was reading Michael Cox in The Athletic and he was pointing out that one of Arsenal's tactics was to be happy to let Ruben Diaz have the ball. And so identifying that he's the weakest technically and that they would stand back and stand off him and uh, try to avoid that position where they were where they were exposing their own press but that unfortunately in the heat of battle too often that they um, didn't stick to the tactic and and um, stood up a little close to him and then allowed him to play uh, play past the arsenal press and suddenly um um you know allow de bruyne or gundogan take possession and suddenly arsenal uh, city are very much on the front foot um you were certainly shaking your head over the first part of that comment which might suggest that you're not uh, you're not as far down that track as michael cox I, I i don't agree with that they're happy to let so and so have the ball no one's happy to 
just do this thing. It, it's it's not happiness to just let your opponents walk all over you. This is really, really high stakes, really, really intricate tactical play. Um, the only kind of criticisms I have of Arsenal is just that it's something completely different to that. And I, even if Arsenal had all of the weapons to take on Man City, we could be still discussing the same result because that's how good City are. Um, Arsenal can't overplay. So Arsenal in build-up, they could have a lot of possession and they got to a certain point where, you know, City's press is so good, blocks off the passing lanes and all of a sudden Arsenal... They inter Man City interject Arsenal and then, as we said, play the ball into that space where Gundogan, De Bruyne, Haaland is and break. But the fact that it even gets to that point is so intricate and it's not just like, oh, Arsenal lose the ball too easily. It's City is so energetic in breaking Arsenal's build-up play and having the um, kind of patterns to do so and being the best team in the world. This is a team that just beat Man City. And look, it, it, even though the score lines made it look like City was far dominant, Bayern put up one of the strongest shots up to Man City this season and they just blew them away. And it's just, it's just so many things. I don't think people actually realise how how phenomenal this team really is. Um, and Arsenal's goal was never to win the title. It was always to be Champions League. So their squad structure isn't as good as City's. Um, there's still things that they lack that City have. So Arsenal don't have the structure to win the second balls like City did. They don't have anyone with aerial presence to go a second way, like a second plan B. Um so all of those things have, and that's why I just disagree with them. Were happy to give Ruben Diaz the ball. To, to, to be fair, to be fair, Jasmine, they were my words, not his. So I thought <laughs> Michael Cox is quite probably in touch with us later on to say, "Hang on, that wasn't." Exa- he, he, I'm not sure they were happy, but they felt that he was the least uh, worst option of, of all of them. Can I ask you a bit about Pep as well? Just before we leave that yeah. topic, Jasmine, because I know Shane wants to talk about Frank Lampard as well. And we'll do that before we wrap. But um, <laughs> with Pep, he very much he was crouched down, obviously on the on the touchline it looked like he was very much having himself I think is the uh, football expression that is used these days very pleased with his efforts they're obviously scoring lots of goals uh, they're not conceding looks like the Premier League is probably going to be looked after we mentioned Madrid is it more the same uh, for the run-in is it more the same for that game or are we going to see more tinkering from Guardiola Oh, we all know Guardiola loves a good tinkering in the Champions League. So I mean, I don't know what goes on in that man's head. So we, I, I would probably say he goes back to the three box three formation, um, like he's used to this season. I think this four two one three was specifically for the way Arsenal plays, and especially because Arsenal took advantage of the three box three, even though Man City won three one. I think they wanted to be more dominant. Um, Pep Guardiola always works on wanting to be the most dominant person out there. Mm. He is, I would say, 
I don't know if he would think this was true. I, he's never going to listen to this anyway, so it's fine. I think he is a perfectionist. I think he wants to be the most dominant. And we saw that so many times under Bayern Munich, even though he didn't get as far as he wanted in the Champions League. And I think that is where he probably found most of his uh, downfall. I still think he goes back to the three box three because it worked so well against City and, um, oh, not City, sorry, Bayern. Um, and I, I'm guessing that's what he will go with. I don't think he will. I think hopefully he's learned from the other Champions League tournaments and won't go something new, something different because the three box three has been working so well for him. Um, and obviously Real Madrid play differently to Arsenal. So I don't see him going with that tactic again to break Arsenal's build up. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, Man City have Haaland on top of that. So yeah, I, I don't think he'll tinker too much. He doesn't have to for once. Uh, we're bang out of time, Jasmine, but uh, as Adrian mentioned, Frank Lampard is worth a quick discussion because, um, I mean, I don't, I don't think that the project and Frank Lampard taking over from Graham Potter has has quite gone to Todd Bowley's plan just yet. What are your thoughts on, on what's happening at Chelsea? Um, they should have never sacked Tuchel. I think we all know that. Um, I don't know how that club's being run. I don't know what their project is. I don't know what they want to do. Um, I find their squad management and who they bought is completely uh, outrageous and bizarre because you have an unbalanced squad. You have a coach who's not good at finding personal roles um, and basically no tactical structures to his coaching. We, I've talked a bit on this about this on the show before when he was uh, when Lampard was coaching Everton and. It will take a very strong plan, a very dedicated manager to get them out of the mess that they're in right now. And I mean, they're still mathematically can go down, I think. So, um, yeah, it's very, very bizarre what's going on there. Jasmine, thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Thanks a million, Jasmine. Baba on the line there. Shifty Lad says, Manchester United substitution is pretty poor last night. What happened? Fred, lads, and Martial might as well have been injured still as he was anonymous. Uh, Paul Pogba, Red Devil, Ten Hag. Uh, in-game management has been questionable all season, but it exposes our lack of depth. The three or four subs need to go in the summer anyway. Martial, Fred, Harry, Veg need to go. Uh, right up. Uh, Alan Quinlan is going to be uh, with us next. It's gone a quarter past eight, OTBAM. You're very welcome along. It's Adrian Shane with you until 10 this morning. Plenty to get to. Do keep those comments coming in. Some uh, live wires on the uh, comment line this morning. We'll come back to those over the course of today. Alan Quinlan, good morning to you. Morning, lads. How are you? Um, I, I am okay. A bit sort of apprehensive about the weekend ahead, but you popped your head around the corner about an hour ago now at this stage, uh, pre show, just to settle everybody's nerves and say, listen, it's all right. Everything's going to be okay. I kind of feel like. There's been so much chat about it, been written in the stars, that it has to be Leinster La Rochelle in the final, that there are two major hurdles for both of those to cross, that nothing is a given this weekend. Um, no, nothing is a given, uh, particularly when you play with, play against a side like Toulouse. Um, Leinster and Toulouse have played in four semi-finals, and Leinster have won three of them, so uh, three of those were in the Aviva, one was, was in Toulouse in 2010. Um, so... And I think based on what we saw in the pool stages, Leinster have played better rugby. You know, they dismantled Racing in that first game back in December, if you can remember that. They were outstanding. 
Gloucester bought a second string team for round two 57 nil in that one then Leinster went to Gloucester and did a full team and again scored 49 points um, so they were brilliant in the pool stages and then beat Racing mm-hmm. you know scored 30, beat them 36-10 in Dublin so in the pool stages Leinster were brilliant um, stuttered a little bit against Ulster conditions were, were really poor but demolished Leicester then in that, that uh, quarter final there a couple of weeks ago as well so they're a side that are just very very difficult to stop when they're, when they're on song people keep going back to last year's final and the Bulls game in the semi-final of the URC as well and maybe the previous year when La Rochelle beat them and there's a bit of a template there to stop Leinster but it's very difficult I think they will have learned a lot um, their pace, their accuracy, the lines are running, all that kind of stuff are just sublime. So everybody knows the role inside out. And then you look at Toulouse um, in the pool stages. You know, for, in round one they beat Munster and Thomond Park. Um, then they beat Sale pretty convincingly home and away. In fairness, that was impressive. Strong physical Sale side who can disrupt you. And you look at round four, Munster could have beaten them in, in Toulouse. So I think on form, you'd probably look and say that um, Leinster are in a better place. Um, but I think the last 30 minutes, probably against the Sharks in in, in the quarterfinal, mm-hmm. some of the tries they scored, the offloading, the pace. that to, And we know they have those X-factor players. So if you put the players down on paper um, and kind of match them off against each other, it's it's you know fifty fifty. Yeah, pretty. You know even. it is because half and half really. If you were to select fifteen, it'd be half Toulouse, half Leinster. On that, right? I was sort of thinking as you were chatting there about players knowing the roles and you know the experience of being there and all that stuff. But then you take obviously James Lowe's out of the mix. Johnny Sexton's not in the team. I see this morning that Robbie Henshaw's a doubt, and particularly when you look at the threat of a player like Dupont, who we have to come to, and watching him a couple of weeks yeah. ago for Toulouse, where he plays the vast majority of the game at 12 and looks as if he's been playing 12 all his life. Um, like, suddenly, you start, there's an argument starts to stack up for Toulouse. Possibly, yeah. I think if Robbie Henshaw was out at this stage, he'd be a big loss mm. because he's such a great... Uh, presence on the field he's so physical and right on that DuPont channel as well yeah he is and he you know you'd imagine he'll protect Ross Byrne a lot as well not that Ross Byrne is is, is, is a weak tackler or anything but I just think he's presence there um, and obviously takes a little bit of pressure off Gary Ringrose who's Form has been outstanding. Um, James Lowe's kicking game is 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 the loss. I suppose. Look, he's he's a wonderful player as well. James Lowe has improved his game so much and uh, top class international. Who's a big game player. Jordan Larmer coming in there is an incredible runner. So um, you know, if Henshaw didn't play, maybe Frawley would play and in Charlie Ngatai. Um So they have depth across the board there, and they've known Johnny Sexton has been out for a while, you know, and wouldn't be available for this. So. They're a side that don't panic. I think it's up front where where this game will kind of be won and lost, really, I think, as regards. Because Le- Leinster, I think they can still win off scraps. Mm. Um, Toulouse have a side that you know are very physically imposing. Their front five are very powerful and strong. Mafu, uh, the second row, does a lot of damage at the breakdown. But... Uh, and people talking about that game last year a lot, which is is very relevant, I suppose, because psycho- the psychological um, 
damage that that may have done to Toulouse um, Leinster just blew him away last year and there's a bit of focus I suppose on Toulouse having to play the week before travel to Dublin the penalties the extra time Munster kind of gave it everything and, and it was a very physical game and that they weren't you know they were dead in their legs a little bit for that, that Leinster Different game dynamic this week it is yeah players. they rested all their players um um, they went to Stade Francais last weekend and Toulouse rested. And it's interesting listening to Hugo Mola and reading some of the comments he made that they've been trawling back over um, you know, some of those Leinster games where they lost the Bulls last year, the La Rochelle final, the La Rochelle semi-final, um, a couple of France-Ireland games and you know, trying to find any sort of vulnerability or weakness, which is difficult. Um, the most obvious one is if you if you slow Leinster down and get really physical with them um, that you can hurt them there but it's hard to do that it's easier said than done it's a bit what, like probably what you're going to ask me how do you stop Anton Dupont like how do you stop Leinster question, right? it's such a because like, Leinster are physical themselves but, but they're what, abrasive so what do you do with them because like as trite as the question is like if you're Stuart Lancaster and Leo Cullen and Andrew Goodman sitting down this week they have to answer it what is the what well, is the you can't it's you not about stop stopping him. It's influence. about yeah, and and that's and how the do you point. Do that? You you make sure that both sides of the breakdown are are locked and loaded. That players fold around if they hit up midfield, or you know keep going the same way. That there's enough players on on the blind side to keep an eye on him, because if he sees anyone switching off, he'll go. And if you give him a one on one with someone with a little bit of space, he's such a stepper and he can get his hands you through. You have to make that first and, tackle, and, don't you? That's and you know, if you played with Anton Dupont, you think if I track him because if he gets the ball, he's going to do something crazy. He's going to spin around. He's going to get his hands through. He's going to sidestep someone. You line him up then to try and put in a big tackle on him, and he can just bounce away from you. So he's a very powerful guy for a small small frame. Yeah, like he's chunky and and but like he's not. The barrel. Yeah, he is, and he's so powerful and and elusive. So, um, you just have to be careful with him. He runs those upfield lines. Then if the ball goes wide and if if someone makes a break, he's there in in, in the inside line for passes. So scores a lot of tries. He got a wonderful try to start of the game last year, didn't he, for Toulouse? And you thought that was going to give him a bit of a kickstart, but Leinster just responded, turned turned the pressure on, and were outstanding. So, um, yeah, they won't be. They'll be very conscious and aware of him. And if you if you get a chance to get hold of him and kind of lift him backwards or, or get him on, on a little bit get him on, yeah, get him onto the ground and stuff like that. So he makes them really. He makes them flow and fire. Um, what a wonderful player. He's the best rugby player in, in the world because it's his all-round game. It isn't about, oh, he's just a real good attacker. He's an incredible defender. Mm. He he shoots out a line. He makes tackles. He oh, stops yeah. the opposition. Um, kicks with both legs. Mm. Um, it could be a rock in the middle of the field and he could be aiming to go one way. He spins back, goes off the left peg. Um, so he's a brilliant player. How important is that early start for Toulouse then? If you're trying to beat Leinster, even Rogers writing about it in the Examiner this morning when it all goes pear shaped in the first 10 minutes, and any team that beats Leinster historically, you have to score three or four the tries. Pro- at least. The, pro- the problem with um, focusing on a good early start is if it doesn't happen, yeah. it has a double effect on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you've just got to be calm and controlled, and um, particularly when you're away from home in a big game like this, I think they've got to. Um, make sure that Leinster well if I was Toulouse I'd be saying look I'd, you, you, 
no matter what happens and what results we've seen over the last number of years, Toulouse will still believe mm. that individually they're as good, if not better, than, than some Leinster players, most of them, because um, they have that swagger about them. And I think the same will be said for, for Leinster stopping Toulouse. If Toulouse get in their flow, sometimes you, you're just running at shadows. You, they, they're incredible. The tries they scored there in that Sharks game in the quarterfinal, it was very, very even. And the Sharks got some brilliant tries. But then Toulouse just do some crazy stuff and, and get, can score brilliant tries. So um, I think it's important, and it's a very obvious one, Shane, that, that Toulouse, if Leinster start racking up the scores... They're a very hard team to peg back. So, yeah, it, it. I think I'd be saying to them, look, we have to start well, but if we don't, let's not panic. If we concede a try or two or we're 10 points down, don't throw some crazy pass that gives an intercept to, to one of the Leinster players and you're 17-0 down. Yeah. Then it's, you you know, the crowd get behind them and all that. So, um yeah, it's. I don't know. On paper, you think this should be a great game because they're two rel- very attack-minded sides. But sometimes they negate each other. I think it'll be an arm wrestle and it'll be physical. There'll be a bit of bite to it. And um, I think Leinster have spoken all week, all their players and all their coaches. So they've obviously really discussed this. That Toulouse are going to be firing for this and really. Um, They've good. They've had good preparation themselves. You know, Leinster didn't bring their frontliners to South Africa. Their coaches come home early. They've had nice, li- nice little rest. Mm. Nice little rest for them. And and um, Toulouse have have probably done the same. So they'll be fresh as daisies, both sides, and um, incredibly powerful sides. Just look at the front rows going at it. Talk to us about that bit about like. So both of them obviously like to keep the ball alive, and both of them have the ability to do that in terms of quick transition around the breakdown and stuff like that I was watching a sequence last night I mentioned it a bit earlier on with Francois across the uh, Fra- uh, France back row uh, was some clips against Scotland particularly and he was such a menace that ability to snag the ball to snag a player to slow everything down um, how does all that manifest itself when you have two teams who are so eager and able to keep the ball alive and then you have the likes of him and you look at the Leinster back row uh, their ability to do the same thing is that sort of where it's won and lost with the back rows or what's your um Well it's more than the back rows than the modern game about you know traditionally you think uh, back rows get poaches they hold people up and but everybody is doing the poaching game now you know you've wingers who are excellent at it centres full backs uh, counter rucking um, so they're all being coached that way and, and it's an important part of the game. Um, it's about getting opportunities um, and being disciplined as well. You know, Wayne Barnes is referring this game and um, he's going to be... Let's hope he's not a central figure in the game, um, but I think slowing each other down, Leinster will try and do that with Toulouse. You know, they've an incredibly powerful Hold side. that extra second. If, yeah, it is and it's just... I think we. Any time I ever played, and it probably doesn't change. If you if you play against Toulouse, is to try and keep them off the ground actually, because if they if they, right. you know, holding them up for a second or two and trying to tag the ball and stuff because they're offloading game, it's just part of their DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kick a lot as well, so it's, it's similar to France. They're gonna the kick tennis kind of game is about patience as well. So um, it may be a pr- pragmatic approach. Um, in a sense, Toulouse won't. They, you want to get trying to get territory and trying to get into that Leinster half because they will they will back their maul and their scrum and they'll try and go after Leinster there. But you know it's very small margins, Adrian, because Leinster 
you know, very, very abrasive, aggressive, physical side as well. Um, but you look at the size of Mafu and Richie Arnold, the second row, their back row, Jack Willis. Um, they played Flamont in the back row last year. He's the French second row. They joined the Six Nations and Francois Cross. Cross. Um, so that's a very, very big back five. You have Marchand in the front row, Aldegheri. Um Very, very powerful side uh, and big. Is it a bit facetious to point to the home advantage in the Viva Stadium as a, as a serious influence in this game? Because, as you say, it's to a, lose kick, it's a, a huge influence. It's a huge influence, and and it's very, um, you know, I think it's it's hugely beneficial for Leinster. I think they played down probably a little bit of that. Mm. Uh, the home advantage, talking about Toulouse being, winning five times and Leinster of four and they're the best team. That's all true. Mm. But in recent times, Leinster have been the team. They've been the best side, probably most consistent side in Europe as regards performances. La Rochelle got them last year in that final. But if you go back over last year's competition and this year's competition, Leinster are the standout team for try scored for line breaks, for, you know, for um, for victories. Uh, you know, they came unstuck in that final. It was a brilliant second half from La Rochelle. Um, if you go back to that final, you think that Leinster were in control mm. um, in that second half and, and some mistakes they made. And obviously La Rochelle, you've got to give them massive credit for that. But um, this is Leinster's to lose, really. It's a tricky one because, you know... They've got to be honoured as well because I think Toulouse will be better tomorrow. And I think, you know, it's very obvious from Mola the way he's talking about they've put so much work and effort in here to find any little chinks in the armour. So if he gets his team right, they're a very dangerous proposition. This isn't the foregone conclusion no. that Leinster will win this. I do think Leinster will win it, but I think Toulouse, if they're, if they're in the game um, and Leinster can't shake them off, they shook him off last year and they have done in previous games. You know, in 2019, they beat him 30 points to 12. Pretty dominant for the whole game. Um, 2011, that's back a, a good bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very much in control, even though they only won by 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 nine points in that game, 32-23. So, um, it's, the, it's the psychological thing. If they can shake Toulouse off, um, yeah, they could kick on and, and win it comfortably. If Toulouse are still in this game in 60, 70 minute, that will be an indication that um, they're getting a lot right. Yeah. Leinster are a brilliant side and they're so balanced and their control, their accuracy around their passing and all that kind of stuff. So um, it'll be a really interesting one, but it's a good Toulouse side and I think um, it's really intriguing to see can they cope with the crowd and and you know get a get a flow to their own game because if they get enough of control you know even into Mac Peter Aki is a great stepper in the centre you know Malia Cruz in the wing Ramos has been brilliant so when you start naming the players they're, they're, they're incredible there's, there's going to be a lot of you know 30 brilliant players out in that field tomorrow Who's, Who are you expecting to come through on the other side? Well you would imagine that La Rochelle um, will be too powerful for, for Exeter Um I think the game in, against Gloucester in the quarterfinals um, or in the round 16 game, they, they probably could have and should have lost that game. Mm. And I'm sure Rog would admit that himself. They were poor. Gloucester were brilliant. Um, La Rochelle were back to themselves a little bit against Saracens in, in the quarterfinal. Incredibly powerful. They played to their strengths and uh, were comfortable winners in the end. You, you, you would think Saracens did come back at them. So... Exeter have been a bit of a surprise package in Europe um, 
not that consistent in the Gallagher Premiership and you would think on paper would have been at home the atmosphere in in in, uh, in Bordeaux will be incredible as well. It's 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 not that far away. You you go on holidays there. It's only a couple of hours to Bordeaux, yeah. so there'll be, I'm sure there'll, there'll be, be plenty, plenty Exeter fans as well. So I think La Rochelle will probably come through that. Yeah. So we probably will get the final that everyone was predicting. That's come, we've come full circle now to say the yeah. thing that I'm not well, sure is going to happen. It wouldn't be happen, it wouldn't be great uh, for, for 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 Dublin if it was La Rochelle uh, to lose final, would it? You no, know, so it'd be amazing if, if um, it was all to be missing. But I think it's Leinster to lose really and uh, just very briefly because we're bang out of time uh, Keen Tracy's writing in the Irish Independent this morning that Andrew Goodman is going to stay at Leinster so yeah. that he obviously wasn't named to the All Blacks coaching staff uh, the Crusaders were trying to get him back were in touch with him, but suddenly this coaching ticket gone from a position where they're losing one of the most highly rated coaches in the world to now I mean is there is there a coaching ticket in the world that can compete with it well, it's uh, it's at a, it's at a it? different it's level. Yeah, it has a different level. To lose someone like Stuart Lancaster and get Jack Nienenbar and keep Goodman, it unbelievable. Seems like yeah, Goodman as well. Yeah, yeah. So, and you can see then that when you have those quality coaches, I think a lot of the the noise coming out of Leinster in the last few weeks about the budgets and all that stuff was is down to coaching. <laughs> it's not down entirely to coaching. They have. Um, a really good budget and and uh, player salaries and and that's down to their success with all the internationals they have and the way contracts are topped up from the RFU. So, um, but the coaching as well is is unbelievable and you can see that you can see players just their detail is is through the roof and they're an incredibly accurate side. So um, to have Goodman there again and to it's a statement of intent. Why wouldn't you want to? You know, I think he's he's going to develop more and more there and when you're at uh, probably the top side in Europe um, you're going to get a lot of kudos out of that as well and, and we probably experienced that in Munster back in the day where you've a certain amount of coaches there and they go on and they get you know when you're winning or you're knocking on the door in Europe it enhances your reputation yeah. so if, if Leinster are winning a, a Champions Cup this year or URC his CV is is going through the roof and I think he's still young he's only 40, 40 isn't he yeah. so there'll be more opportunities to go back home as well so it's not surprising but it's a great um, it's great that he's kind of staying put and, and not going back to New Zealand for Leinster enjoy the games will do yeah. talk to you next week very good bit of positivity there for, for Leinster fans we'll take that at 8.36am on this Friday morning time to turn our attention to the, the Women's Champions League from last night Jilly Flaherty delighted to say joins us the uh, UEFA licensed coach and former professional footballer morning Jilly how are things yeah, good, thank you. Yourselves? All good, all good here. Thanks for popping on. Um, I guess we have to talk Chelsea-Barcelona first of all. And Chelsea earning a draw at uh, the new Camp, or at Barcelona, the first team to do that in four years, which is uh, quite impressive. Not enough to get them in over the line into the final, but um, they've come a long way from that thrashing in the final a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I mean, I think, I mean, I'm sorry, I covered both legs um, and you could tell that there was a probably a nervousness about Chelsea. I do think that Obviously, a lot of people have been talking about their previous game and the result and being 4-0 down at half-time. And I do feel, feel that there wasn't, I wouldn't say fear, but I think that was in the back of players, management's minds um, in regards to the way they set up. Listen, Barcelona are one of the best, if not the best in the world, and you have to give them that respect too. Um, but so obviously to go to the new Camp, only be 1-0 on the night, um, it is positive for Chelsea. Uh, there is a part of me, though, that would... When watching the game, I just thought, are you going to go for it? Because, you know, it's the Champions League semi-final. You need to sort of risk it. But 
yeah, I think Chelsea can can hold their heads up high and listen, Barcelona, like I said, are, are the best in the world. How impressive was it that, that Chelsea, regardless of the result over on aggregate in the end, they, they responded like four minutes after Barca take the lead, they get the goal back, they're pushing for a winner there in front of 70,000 fans as well. So they didn't let the heads drop when Barcelona took the lead uh, last night either. No, I mean, they, they kept going for it. But obviously with, with Chelsea, they've played a, a 3-5-2 um, over these two legs, which they haven't really done in the WSL. So it, they, have, they have to play a different way. You know, obviously in the WSL, they're used to having possession of the ball a lot of the time in games. But it was different for them. Barcelona had the, had the possession um, for the majority of the game and they had to just be patient. But, I mean, Marin Mielder and Magdalena Eriksson, who have been in and out of the team this year, obviously with Millie Bright and Kadish Buchanan both being missing, uh, injured, they, they come in and they were both fantastic over two legs. Like, they dealt with Barcelona's front line incredibly well and... I mean, they're, they're, for me, they've earned their spot, you know, going forward. And obviously people were talking about Millie Bright and, and Buchanan being two big losses for Chelsea. But uh, Mag, uh, Magdalena Eriksson and, and Mielder really stepped up. Will, will it play into Chelsea's hands at all in, in terms of the, the title race? I mean, they, they probably have the, they don't have the points on the board uh, over Manchester United, but they have those games in hand and an FA Cup final to look forward to as well. So in one sense, albeit a Champions League final would have been brilliant, but they can now fully concentrate on the, the domestic trophies. Yeah, I mean, I know the Champions League is the one trophy that Emma wants um, and the club want more than anything, but it's just not to be this year. And obviously now that's done and dusted. They have, like you said, they've got the FA Cup final um, to focus on. I mean, they're, tonight, obviously, Man United and Villa play. Um, Chelsea don't play till next week, so they'll have three games in hand on Man United after tonight's game. Um, if Emma's always said about whether the team are best um, chasing or being the ones leading the pack, and She's experienced both as a manager. So for Chelsea, they're in the best situation because she's going to be a manager who will say, listen, we just focus on us. It doesn't matter if United keep winning because ultimately it's in Chelsea's hands to lose. If Chelsea win the remaining games, they'll be champions. But if they slip up, then obviously then it's then harder to get those points. So they do have the games in hand. Um, and obviously at the moment, they're four points behind United with two games in hand. But obviously that will go to, to three tonight. So it's in their hands to lose. What's your sense of how that plays out, Gilly? Obviously, we've seen in the Premier League how a team have been keeping the seat hot for the inevitable push from another team. Is that the case for for this United team that once Chelsea use up those uh, games in hand, that that ultimately they're going to, as you see it, to to pip United, or are United showing signs already that they're uh, the best team in the country? Yeah, I mean it's very similar. Um, I was listening to a conversation last night um, where they were saying two ex men footballers were saying how. Arsenal have, have led the way in the men's Premier League, but they don't have the experience, whereas City obviously do. Um, and it's a bit similar to the women's women's game because a lot of people have been saying about Man United, they, they don't have the experience of leading all the way. Um, obviously, last season they led up until Christmas and obviously then they started dropping points. But people have been saying that they're, they're waiting for them to slip up. But United keep proving people wrong and all they keep doing is keep winning three points. Um, and that's all they can do is focus on themselves. But like I said, it's Chelsea's really to lose because they do have the games in hand. And if they win the remainder of their games, then obviously they do win the league. But obviously you've still got um, some big games coming up for both clubs. Um, there still will be points dropped going forward. But yeah, I mean, United just got to do what they keep doing and, and keep proving people wrong and picking up the points.
that, that United Villa game tonight, Jilly, like United showed a lot of positive attitude in the win over Arsenal last weekend. So clearly, that when, when it comes to the big games and the title-defining games, they know how to get the results uh, over the line. But but Villa have been impressive this season, and, and not least of late. So that day, that game tonight is going to be a pretty pretty epic one, you'd imagine. Yeah, and I mean, I, I watched the. I mean, I was covering the Man United Arsenal game um, at the Lee Stadium, and. I mean, in all honesty, it was it was quite a boring game, to be honest with you. It weren't both teams are sort of not wanting to make a mistake. You know, they was like trying to suss each other out, but you knew that it would end up being a mistake from one team for a player to get through. But if you're looking at obviously the Aston Villa's form, um, probably since Christmas onwards, they've been unbelievable. Um, and so it's, it's not going to be an easy test. Obviously, they're going to, to Aston Villa's ground too, um, which isn't, the most easiest stadium to go to and the easiest pitch to play on. But, I mean, it's it'll be an exciting game, but they know it's, they've got to play these tough, difficult games to to win the league and, and to pick the points up. I wanted to ask you before we, we touch on some more of those games on, on the comments from, from Daniel Levy this week as well, Jilly, because they've caused a little bit of uh, consternation, uh, understandably. So, uh, for anyone who hasn't heard these, he thinks the uh, WSL should get rid of relegation and promotion, adopt a, a single table format, his logic is that clubs would feel more comfortable investing in the women's team if they knew that they were guaranteed top-flight football, I guess. Um, and then the, the counter-argument is that uh, if, if owners just invest, relegation won't be a concern regardless. So what, what's your take on all this? Yeah, well, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, when I saw that come out, um, <laughs> I had to be very careful with what... I, I wanted to put something out on Twitter, um, but Twitter could be a very dangerous place for those sort of things. But for me... My point would be, would he still be feeling the same way if Tottenham weren't in a relegation battle themselves? You know, this is everyone sort of come out and said he's only saying this because his club, after he has, they have invested in it because they went and signed Beth England for two hundred fifty thousand in January. They're currently sitting three points off the bottom, um, and they are in the relegation battle. So, would he still have the same opinion? For me, I, I, I personally like the method of promotion and relegation um, and, and the thing is with the WSL like a lot of people including myself have been pushing for the league to increase and for the relegation places to increase as well to two because the championship below quite a lot of them now if not most teams are full time they're, they're, they're pushing each other all the way and then you've only got one promotion place so I mean I'm one of those people who support the two up two down um, but I don't agree at all with no promotion and no relegation but my point would be, would he still feel the same if Tottenham weren't sitting full from bottom or three points off the bottom? There's a whiff of Super League yeah. greed off it, isn't there? It's like it's almost get rid of the jeopardy and keep the money. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's just that you can't... Women's WSL doesn't need necessarily a huge amount of investment in your clubs um, compared to obviously what the men's, men's team does. Um but it's just sort of, I don't know, the, the time it come out, it was after the men had just got thumped by Newcastle. Was it sort of a deflection from that? Um, I'm not too sure, but I like the WSL where it is. You know, I've, I've played in the WSL my whole career um, since it first founded and I don't, I don't personally want it going to a no relegation, no promotion league. I wanted to ask uh, Jilly just about the role of Everton over the next few weeks as uh, queen makers almost. Um, it feels almost like a ridiculous thing to say in some regards given that they're kind of 
petering their way to a mid-table finish. They've not an awful lot to play for ahead of them and they're not going to get uh, dragged into the battle below them. But they do have Chelsea next weekend, they've Arsenal after that and they've City before the uh, month is out. Not a great run for them, but in, in their role as queen makers, it could be really important in, in terms of where the title ends up. Yeah, and I mean, I, I've been at, well, I've been at West Ham where we was in the position towards the end of the season where you don't, you're safe from relegation, you can't win nothing, but you know that you can have a say in, in where the league goes. Um, and for that as a player, when you when you do have that, not that bitterness because you think, I can't win nothing this year, um, you do have it where you say, well, listen, if we nick points off this team, that's going to affect this and that's going to affect that. And you want to be the party spoilers a little bit. I remember um, my last season there, we had Arsenal in the last game of the season and Chelsea were playing Man United and it could have gone to Chelsea's ground or it could have gone to Arsenal, depending on the result. And I remember Man United were winning and all the Arsenal fans were cheering, saying like they're, they're winning, they're winning, like we're going to win the league. As long as obviously, they beat us. And then, um, well, I mean, we ended up losing 2-0 anyway. But the whole thing of we could stop them winning the league, especially at our ground as well, we didn't want that happening. Um, but then Chelsea went on to win anyway. So it was didn't really matter what Arsenal done. But that, that's a pr- pretty dangerous position to be in in regards to the likes of Everton, Liverpool. We were sitting mid-table that they can be party spoilers 100%. Um, on Arsenal, uh, you mentioned you've, you've brought them up, so we might as well touch on them as well, Gilly. But that that uh, comeback draw against Wolfsburg midweek, hugely impressive. I know you said you watched them against United last weekend, but to come back then and uh, get the the two goals to bring back to the Emirates next week, uh, I guess oh, we, we overuse the word mentality probably, but the injury crisis that's going on at the club and the fact that they can still keep going back to the well and, and pick up results like they did in, in midweek in Germany, quite impressive. Yeah, and I mean, obviously being at the United Arsenal game when obviously Leah Williamson went down and you just think oh like I mean straight away a lot of people knew that it was a serious injury but for them to lose Leah to lose Kim um, in the in the same week really you've got Caitlin Ford who's been out struggling with injury um, obviously you've now got uh, Steph Catley back which is huge for them but the idea of them going into because obviously when they said about Kim Little being injured the idea then everyone knew really that Leah Williamson would then go into midfield so then to lose Leah Williamson from midfield, you've then got potentially a, not an inexperienced back line because Jen Beattie come in, who is a very experienced player and has done the, the business for Arsenal and for Scotland. Um, but then you've got, you, you're not taking your strength from the centre-back into the midfield because you've now lost her too. So I think going into that Wolfsburg game, again, a lot of people thought they've got too many injuries, it's not going to happen. And then obviously going down, conceding so early and so poorly as well. I think a lot of people thought the floodgates are potentially going to open, but they've got fantastic spirit and fantastic fight to come back into that game, not just to make it 2-1, but to go 2-2, to bring that back to the Emirates where you've potentially got a sellout crowd as well. And I was there for the game, the home leg against Bayern Munich, and the fans were incredible. So Mm. if the fans are going to be the same, if not better, then for me, they'll push Arsenal one. And Wolfsburg didn't look that great as well, to be honest with you. They looked a bit nervy and shaky. So playing at the Emirates, with a home crowd the size of that, you've got nothing to lose, really, because no one's probably that, uh, backing you, really, to win it because of the fact of you'd lost so many injuries. But I don't know what Jonas Eidevall's doing there, but he's got them believing and that, that they can go on and whether it be there from a losing position or winning position, that they can go on and get the results.
and that that's something that that's been mo- very impressive from Yunus Eideval as well. I know he has spoken in press conferences about the the fatigue and maybe the calendar as well, and and the amount of games that are coming at his team. But the fact that he's managed to to get more and more out of this team, regardless, and I think the same has been said of of Brighton this week in the in the relegation battle as well. Fatigue is a is a is a word that keeps cropping up in the WSL because of the uh, the fixture congestion. But teams, especially Arsenal at the moment, seem capable of dealing with it. Yeah, I mean, it is difficult because you look at the other side of things and the f- fixture congestion, but you look at Liverpool, for example, who they played a game and they hadn't played a game for three weeks. And I remember when I come on here in January, I think they'd said that they had a month until their next game. So it is the other side of the spectrum as well, where it's sort of, you've got a lot of games for clubs like Man's uh, Arsenal, Chelsea, for example, who are in the Champions League. They're through the latter stages of the Cubs compared to the likes of, say, Liverpool, who went three weeks and four weeks without a game. Um, and not just once too so it is it is difficult um, and obviously then you're looking at the players from Arsenal and Chelsea who are Man City Man United who all go away and play for England and their countries and, and they play a lot of minutes for their countries too it's about getting that balance and obviously it is going into a World Cup year as well but for me as a footballer I loved playing games I prefer to play games than train um, but I know I was fortunate enough not to be on the receiving end really of much injuries but it is difficult, but that's why you have the squads and you have the, the depth for people to, to step up. Where do you stand then? Because it leads nicely into that point about the FIFA introducing that mandatory release period to protect player welfare, obviously, in the lead into the World Cup. And we saw before the Euros that the experience last year of obviously a lot of teams, England including, getting uh, players in early. What are your thoughts on um, on that kind of piece where I guess the ultimate point is to try and protect uh, player at all costs? Yeah, I do think it's important. I think because of the fact of we've got, we had the Olympics, then we had the Euros, because obviously because of COVID, then we've got the World Cup, then next year we've got the, the Olympics again, then the Euros. It's like they're going to have a while until they have their break. Um, so for me, it's, it's important. And whether it be two weeks, you know, I feel like sometimes a lot of countries potentially feel like they're going to lose a lot of fitness during those two weeks. And players don't really rest for two weeks either. They'll mm. be still ticking over. Um, and players are not silly, you know, they they can't afford to have two weeks of literally not doing nothing because you're going into a World Cup. So they're professionals, you know, they'll still keep ticking over. But I think the mental side of it, like to go from a season, then in potentially into a pre-tournament camp where you're away for four weeks or whatever, it is difficult. Um, and you have to look after people emotionally and mentally as well, as well as physically, because you know, sometimes you can, you can, your body can be fine in regards to fatigue, but mentally you're you're tired um and that makes you feel even worse physically you know but really in regards to loading and stuff you might have had a quiet week but if you're tired up here then it it makes no difference really in regards to how fresh you are body-wise because that will make you feel tired anyway so we've just got to look after and protect players because we've got a busy few years coming up can Manchester City still have a role in this this uh, title race, uh, Jilly? Because the the win over one of your other former clubs, West Ham, the six two win uh, was quite emphatic last time out, and and they still look like they're they're right in the fight. Yeah, and I mean obviously that they've got to play Man United too. Um, they're three points off of United, same games played. Um, so again, you're looking at that that fixture. Yeah, you, one of them's going to drop points, mm. if not both of them. Um, so, but again, I think with City. They are a team that are just focusing on themselves. Obviously, they've not got the FA Cup final to think about. They've just literally got the league to focus on. And I think that will help them. Um, but And, and they're, they're experienced at doing it. I mean, that they had a bit of a, a, a tough start, a bit of a rocky start. 
um, but they've managed to get themselves up into to second place. Um, so yeah, I think I think they'll uh, I think they'll I think they'll do good. I think they'll get in the Champions League spots. Um, but again, your team's going to uh, drop points against each other, so it's exciting to see what happens. Can I just ask you very briefly, finally, on um, Kitty McCabe as Arsenal captain? I guess all these injuries have led to um, the armband having to be thrown around different stages of the season. But uh, from an Irish perspective, I guess we love to see Kitty taking on that leadership role that she has uh, at times with her country as well. So it's good to see, and, and someone who clearly is a born leader. Yeah, I mean, she is. I mean, she stepped up for Arsenal as well. Um, obviously, losing Kim, losing Leah, she's got the armband on at the moment. Um, but again, she, she has that fight, she has that tenacious side of her which was needed against Wolfsburg. You know, she wasn't afraid to put her foot in. And it'll be players like Katie McCabe who will lead this Arsenal team on going forward into what is the business end of the season. Julie, thanks a million as always. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Julie Farity on the line to uh, look ahead to a uh, pretty weekend, uh, interesting weekend of WSL and beyond as well. We've uh, loads still to come. Anna Cable is going to join us in a couple of moments' time uh, just to uh, wrap the uh, look ahead to the final weekend of the Women's Six Nations. Uh, we are going to be a reminder, by the way, at 8.55, we are going to be hosting a live UEFA Champions League roadshow in partnership with Just Eat. It's coming your way next Thursday evening. It's 3rd of May. It's the Mansion House in Dublin. We're going to be joined by UEFA Champions League winners, John. John O'Shea and Wes Brown and also in the house not a Champions League winner but an absolute legend of the game um, it's the 3rd of May which is Wednesday evening um, it'll be the uh, Arsenal legend Paul Merson mm. Shane who uh, Colin has pointed out I think the autobiography one of the best autobiographies out there what's it called? Yeah, yeah, brilliant one. Up so for that, yeah. Proper, proper uh, couple. John O'Shea was on my flight the other day actually oh was he? yeah I was flying back from Manchester to Dublin after the, the World Snooker Championships uh, left and be but um, yeah John O'Shea what a what a player you weren't taking like, little bits of video for seating in social media Shane is what you're no, none of that uh, it's going to be a brilliant night's entertainment get yourself along there it's an exclusively off air event tickets are limited so don't delay you can head along to offtheball.com forward slash events and we will see you on the night just eat uh, the official food delivery partner of the UEFA Champions League alright it is uh, four minutes to nine Jess Kelly's going to be with us in just a little bit and she's sending Shane off to space something we've all been looking to do for the last number of months and um, Jess is going to do that for us this morning right now it's time to get back to the rug- rugby and Anna Cape is on the line to uh, talk about the last Six Nations game Anna good morning to you morning lads how are you how are you keeping grand 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 I'm um, chanting from sunny London nice sunny um, no, that's that was a lie. It is absolutely <laughs> Baltic and it is pouring rain. Um so yeah. Good. I don't know, is it any better at home? Good. Uh no, it's not much better. That's the <laughs> <laughs> make us all feel better about ourselves. Come here, context obviously is everything in the in the in the final thoughts about last weekend and obviously looking ahead to um the weekend coming. And the context around this Irish team obviously is that due to years has been has been well spoken about and identified of bad planning that in some regards we were destined to lose those opening four ga- not destined to lose them but it was written in the stars to a degree um, hmm. and holding England to under 50 points um, is a result in some regards due to the context and they also ran in some of those late tries to almost put a gloss on that scoreline are you as yeah. upbeat about it? I was at the time I was when I was there because you know, when when the match started and like England ran straight in after two minutes for their first try, my heart was pounding. I was like, oh, my goodness, is this going to be, you know, what what when people were fearing the worst, you know, 100 points plus score, you know, was predicted. Um, 
I was very nervous after that first try. But actually, yeah, like, they, you know, they, they, Ireland, like, spoiled England's party a little bit because, um, you know, if, if if that was the prediction from outside, England certainly would have had their eye on that ball as well. Like, could we, could we score 100 points or whatever? But, you know, I was at the time, I felt really proud of the girls. I thought they just dug in and just never gave up, which is what we wanted for them. Like, that's what I wanted for them. And that's what they wanted for themselves, just not give up, not let up. Like, there was a, you know, huge periods of play where England just could not get through and for the best team in the world you know Ireland will really have been proud of themselves for those parts periods of of play and and what they were able to achieve and you know stopping England's like tirade of attack which other teams haven't been able to do so yes you know I felt really positive about it after not not over the moon but I was like you know what you should be really proud of yourselves like um, for, for for so many areas of, of that game. But then when you kind of take a step back and it was only when it really kind of hit me, I just looked at like the overall results in the weekend. You know, there was England, Ireland and then France and Wales and, and, and Italy and Scotland, which were just much more competitive games. You know, Ireland have no score at all and all the other teams are, are, are scoring and, and have real chances of beating their opposition and, it's just, uh, you know, uh, again, another like reminder of where we're at. And, and uh, you know, you can be like, God, you know, fair play. It's almost patronizing or condescending or just a real like, oh, how did it get to this that we can be like, Jesus, fair play after a 48 nil loss. You know, it's um, it's just uh, it's just where, where, where we've got to. Yeah, it's hard to square that in the head. That's uh, that's totally accepted. I wonder just in the context of like, obviously, this weekend, it's we end if we end up not winning with a bonus point, we'll get the wooden spoon, drops us out to the third tier. Otherwise, we if we do get the bonus point win, we may end up in a shootout with Spain to um, remain in that second tier. Hmm. But, and we'll get to that in a second, but the, the it felt like the defensive effort, and I know it's more, uh, there's more to it than just that, but like that defensive effort needs to be, given how we have struggled to put points on the board or put ourselves in the opportunity even, to put points on the board, two tries and one penalty. That's our uh, sum total of our scoring across four games uh, so far. But that defensive effort, does it? How important does that feel in terms of a line in the sand for this Irish group and and in terms of forming a personality for the team? Is that the line in the sand? Is that where we say from here on out, this is this is the personality of this team, and this is how we're going to approach every game? Yeah. I, I suppose, um, because you never want to regress, of course. And, you know, if you can tell yourself that, look what we were able to do against England, imagine what we can do against other teams if we're able to, you know, not just draw the line in the sand and keep the bar there, but actually lift the bar again. So, you know, there were still missed tackles. It seems, you know, a, bit, a big a big theme of, of, of the, the our defensive effort so far has just been missed tackles and then you know the scramble has been good and and, and some the connections and the the, the movement in defense has improved like throughout the throughout the tournament which isn't a surprise when you've so many young players who are learning on the job you know that they will get better every week and you link better every week and you know that we've got a you know, an unchanged side role relatively across the board, unchanged side going into this weekend, like which is kind of the first time that's happened, mm. um, this tournament. So that can only be, uh, you know, produce stronger, stronger results in terms of defence as long as they keep the bar there, which I don't, you know, th- th- at this stage, last game, 
you know, you're going to give it everything. I don't think that will drop off. I think they know like 80 minutes or however many minutes I'm on the pitch, like I know my role. And a lot of those lessons will have come from from England and like building into mm. building into that game. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, if if, if uh, you know if Scotland or if Scotland want to win, they need to score. And if if you know there's a really determined defence in front of you, you've got to be creative in how you're going to attack that. So, um, yeah, I think they will. They'll hang on to that their their defensive efforts really strongly. Some of those tries, Anna, that Ireland are conceding seem to stem from lack of communication between players. And and on one uh, hand, that's that's really concerning and worrying. But on the other hand, I guess it's such an easy thing to fix. You'd imagine on paper that that. Ireland can maybe point to that and see it as something that they can remedy going forward. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's. I think it, it, it looked a bit. Um, they they looked to fill the field a little bit more against England, like it's standing a little bit wider. I found kind of earlier on in the earlier games they were very bunched and very narrow, and it seemed then that they because they're so close to the defender next to them there was kind of ambiguity around whose responsibility the tackle was. So I actually think that with a bit more width, even though it might, you might argue that's a harder job, the communication then is easier because you, there's no doubt in your mind that that's your tackle. Um, so yeah, that is like, that's a, a confidence thing. Like if you're nervous, you'll stand closer to the, the defender next to you. But if you're a bit more confident and your confidence has grown throughout the tournament, you're able to kind of go one step further, one step wider and take responsibility for a bit more space. Um, so that, you know, that confidence as well, yeah, grows. And your confidence comes as well from your communication. And if, again, if you're new and you're only getting to know girls and you're only getting to know a defensive system, that's really hard to communicate. You know, you can't just like bang, this is our defensive system and we know exactly how to communicate that now. No, like that comes from learning, learning, learning and like you learn that through playing and it would, you know, be nice to have more games that don't affect world ranking or don't affect, you know, things to to be played so we can practice these things but um, it just so happened that, again, we're kind of like learning on the job and the communication comes from uh, confidence and then your confidence grows through the communication so it's it's all like one big circle that um, does seem to the they seem to be taking a bit more responsibility now for a bit more space um, and that's that's good like I hope that they can kind of n- not I know we, we said it already but not like drop the bar low again but like just just keep it there and keep that confidence and, and I mean maybe some of the same things apply to the attack Anna but like the one penalty particularly stands out for me. You know, you want to be in an area of the pitch um, over the previous four games where you can try and force a penalty or you force a bit of pressure on the team. And it's just, it's not, it's obviously not a great sign, particularly where we're trying to get a bonus point win this weekend. Um, where, how, if you're in the uh, Ireland coaching staff this weekend, I mean, I don't know what the discussions are. It doesn't feel like they're a group that necessarily talk an awful lot about the outcome as opposed to the process but what are your thoughts in terms of our ability to carry off that bonus point win or, or what is our opportunity here with the group that we have on the pitch to try and score more mm. that's hard because there's uh, you know and we, we spoke about this before as well if you're trying to like achieve too many things like in, in your one week to build up to a game do you end up kind of not improving anything like particularly I think like uh, Dan O'Brien's um, you know 
way of, of, of kicking, kicking in behind and, and winning some, some territory is going to be very useful. And I think they kind of have to they have to to use that and she'll be you know she'll be stepping up to the mark to, to get to win them some territory um in terms of decision making around when to kick is a uh, is you know is obviously still a, a learning curve as well um but you know if you're playing down there and you're confident in your defense um and you just want to stay in in scotland's half uh yeah they'll be looking for like you know territory and kicking back to them and putting them under pressure especially with you know the, the, like Aoife Doyle is so quick and, and Lauren Delaney has been so good like under the high balls like they, um, they, they what, I'm, what I'm thinking about now is like when you win a penalty like are you going to go for touch like I'm hoping that they can uh, that's what I would usually think but I just think that, that there's there's been you know so many hiccups in the line out mm. are they going to back their line out for you know driving mall winning territory winning ball like even closer to the line if you're going to kick to touch um that's what i'd like to see but the 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 line out's been a little bit shaky well i was listening to um uh john mckee talk about their line out he's saying that they've uh you know things that maybe scotland won't have seen so i wonder are they changing their lineouts or are they have they new a new setup or something I don't know what he's really referring to there so maybe that's what they're thinking as well mm. um that they've just got to use their got to use their lineouts you wouldn't like to see them be too ambitious in that regard given the how much it's faltered I would hope any changes yeah. are get it in quick and short and let's see what we can do with that yeah but I think that that would have been the plan anyway. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Because I think that the movement is good. Um, and they, you know, they, they're using different options because, you know, all the teams are just defending Nicola Friday now. So, you know, you just get in front of her and, and, and it's yeah. good pressure. But like, they've, they seem to use Sam a little bit last week more. And um, so, you know, that's another option now that Scotland will have to look at in terms of their homework. Like, okay, we've got two jumpers to defend here. Is there someone else that they can throw up, you know, as, as a decoy that they haven't done already? Um, but I, I agree, you don't want to be too, like, too reliant on that. So um, maybe some five-meter scrum penalty or five-meter penalty moves, like, that would be nice to see, you know, just, like, give them the ball and, like, bang. Especially when you've got, you know, like, Darv running so well and so many strong runners in there, like, just a little bit more, like heads up and play maybe you know is uh, tap and go quick like is the space on like and just making sure that if someone like Derv you know runs off on a rampage that she you and you're the closest player to her you're absolutely breaking your neck to try and get on her and that she's not going to get isolated so that would be nice to see just front foot all the time because that's what Scotland are going to do you know they they'll go quick they look for quick scrum uh, quick penalty moves as well so um yeah it's kind of I'm actually kind of I'm not really sure um, I, I don't know what, what to expect I know I know we need something to work off that's the that's the thing yeah. and uh, look we'll see I, the bonus point feels like it might be slightly beyond us a win would feel mm. like a phenomenal and albeit with the consequences that it comes with it would feel like a phenomenal outcome let me just ask you before we go England France tomorrow 1 o'clock shootout for the title which way is it going? I I think England are going to do it I haven't seen England I thought England were poor last week and I've never seen England, or at least not this group of players, back up a poor performance with another poor performance. Uh, saying that, I think France will be excited uh, about the prospects because they have certainly improved. You know, England kind of came in at like 
they knew where they were at. They've been like, you know, they haven't been building and progressing that much because their level is so high. But I think France came in kind of, they've had a few shaky performances, but then they've kind of grown in confidence. So that confidence will be very strong for them. Uh, kind of in a way, like heads as England, hearts as France, just for a big fight. I just would love an unbelievable performance from both teams for like the 50, 55,000 people that are coming. So, um, well, I'll go England. <laughs> just because <laughs> just because I think they deserve it after losing the World Cup final. They, they think they deserve a bit of, a bit of silverware. <laughs> we'll hold you to that. Anna, thanks a million. Enjoy the games. Thanks, lads. Thanks, Sloan. Lad. Anna Capel Sloan on the line there. Um, ahead of that final weekend of games Jess Kelly standing by to send uh, launch Shane off into space um, which many many of the person have been doing got me NASA sticker here ready to go as well hey, there you go um, did want to mention before we get into that just some interesting stuff across the back pages today including this one in the Irish Independent Cullum Keyes is writing it up and it's in some of the other papers as well tip fan set to accept ban for chin comment and the, the headline led me into the article Shane I'm not going to lie with the idea of the potential that he wouldn't accept the ban or that there'd be some sort of appeal here, which seems kind of remarkable in itself. <laughs> but he's accepted this 48-week ban for racially abusing Lee Chin. It's, it's an embarrassment of a ban. It's within the regulations. It's the maximum uh, ban that can be handed out. It's embarrassing. It's the maximum ban for racist abuse, no matter how severe. If that's 48 weeks international games, what are we doing? Like, it doubles up if there's a second incident which is still less than two years. Like, if there's a second instance, should we not be looking at something an awful lot harsher than that? Um, we talk about rep- rep- um, protecting players and respecting players. There, This feels like it's very much short of that. Um, I suppose on some level we should be thankful because it's not that long ago the ban for the same incident, uh, incident was two games. I mean, I don't even know what two games represents for a fan, if I'm absolutely honest. Does it... You know exactly how that plays out. I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, and on top of that, the 48 weeks can be reduced by half if the person in question undertakes an education course. This is an adult man that we're talking about. It appears to be in his 50s or 60s. I could be wrong about that, but it appears as if he's. Uh, uh, I was going to use the word mature, but that's clearly um, leaving uh, leaving the conversation very short. He's at a charity game. He has had no involvement in the game and there's no provocation and he roars in racist terminology at one of the players and he's going to be back in the stands before October is out. Uh, it, he appears to have shown, I will absolutely add, some remorse. He's written a letter to Croke Park. He Apparently Lee Chin have, has facilitated a phone call with him where he appears to have apologised. Um, but I have to ask... What message are on our national games that we're sending out where we decide that a ban of less than a year is enough for somebody who's caught on camera clearly and accepting that he has racially abused uh, a player? What is the correct length of ban for abusing someone on the basis of their skin colour or their ethnicity or their religious background? Like, who knows? And I don't have an answer to that, but I do know that a net result here, if this guy undertakes a course of uh, less than six months, doesn't feel like as if it comes close to it. It's 13 minutes past nine. You're watching OTBM and uh, we're brought to you live, of course, each morning, as you know, at this stage by Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition is available now. Uh, here is uh, some highlights on the OTB Podcast Network today. It's the football show. It's Rugby Daily and it's the football pod. And you can follow OTB across social and subscribe to the OTB Podcast Network. After the ads, Jess is uh, sending Shane off to space live from studio. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. 17 minutes past nine. Jess Kelly, good morning to you. Hi, how's things? You just wandered into uh, 
the frame of the shot there, literally, just hanging in by your Saws. fingernails. Bit of a glare off. Um, pull in your chair a small bit this way if you can. I know you've got chains, big bounce in your way there, but if, yeah. you, if you can at all. See that How are you getting on? Uh, good, yeah, Happy great. anniversary. Oh, thanks very much. It's a big day. Years. 12 go. years since I did my very first tech review for Newstalk. I had three video games to do. Oh, congrats. It was Plants vs. Zombies, Peggle and Bejeweled. And when News Talk was 20 a few years ago, I listened back to the audio. Oh, right. And you can hear the paper in front of me <laughs> shaking. Yeah, I was yeah, like, this yeah. is a great game. Nobody should ever be forced to listen back to their, no. their early stuff, the no. first album. Or even their current stuff. It's dreadful. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a big day, 12 years. Why? Amazing. Shows how old I am now. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of our audience very excited about the opportunity of launching Shane off into space. Yeah, so get rid of me. Yeah, in a few minutes time. But yeah. you're, um, tell us about, you've been off shaping the metaverse. I have. You're welcome, everybody. Um, so <laughs> the EU Commission do this thing now called Citizens Panels. So they invite 150 people from all 27 member states to go over and to debate some of the big issues. So there have been ones on, you know, food waste, the future of our cities. And I was there for one on virtual worlds uh, last weekend. And it was just fascinating because a few months ago we were talking with Jerry in the studio about like how sport will work in mm. the metaverse and all that sort of jazz. Mm. But the conversations that we had last week or that I was sitting in on last week were, you know, should we have a specific borderless police force for the metaverse? And, you know, how will teachers teach in the metaverse and how will we get everybody up to a certain skill level? Because it's grand for us to do pieces like this that are 10 minutes showing off a game and that's it teachers will have to learn pretty much everything again and how to interact and how to ensure that people's mental well-being, physical well-being and all the rest don't suffer as a result of it. Mm. Tension spans. All of that kind of stuff. Now, the thing with the, the metaverse, there, are, there have been studies that have found that people learn very well within the metaverse because it is more interactive. You're not just sitting there watching a 2D video. You are interacting, as we'll see in a second. Uh, pass me that headset there and I'll set this sure up while we're going. Um, and I just found it really interesting because, uh, you know, with social media and all the rest, legislation is still catching up to that, that kind of stuff, uh, social media that exists today. So to have these conversations going on there now about what the metaverse will look like and how do we police it and how do we mind people within it, I just thought it was really, really cool. And it shows that this innovation isn't going to stop, whether it's called the metaverse and whether the players who are in, uh, in like, you know, big at the moment are going to be big in the future. We don't know. So you put your little paw through oh that. Oh, my God. This is weird already. Now I know why you were have freaking out. Have you never tried so it? I've never put on one of these headsets. Oh, no way. This oh, I would have gotten something that'll... Oh, wow. Okay. This is like almost... Uh, All you're seeing right now is the studio you I know. sit in every day. <laughs> I know, but literally, like, it just feels... Because there's a little... the little. Make sure you're holding your controller. Do I press right, OK? Yeah, yeah. We're lifting the uh, the curtain here, aren't we? This is a... Uh, How do I press OK? Oh, yeah. We probably should have tied it up a little bit in the background. <laughs> anyway, not to worry. Uh, oh, there you go. Did I do that? No, that was me. Uh, OK, so just do that again. Oh yeah, what's the crack? This but is you look so sorry. Different. I am so nervous right now. Are you? I'm a little bit nervous. Are I'm, you a big gamer? So uh, no, I wouldn't be a big gamer. Okay, so I need you to look around the room uh, entirely and right. look up and down. So this is what we got Adrian to do the last time. It's and called calibration. This is the calibration I to make it. sure that your play area is okay and it's safe Alrighty. and all the rest. So uh, Adrian, you look, you look well in this thanks. universe. Yeah. You mean I don't keep look well in the normal well. universe, like. Something like that. Just oh. keep scanning around for a quick second. Yeah. Um, so what we're doing today, just to give people a bit of context rather than just wasting everybody's time, uh, we are testing out a game. It's a Star Wars game and it is called Galaxy's Edge. This is a game that's been around uh, for a few in a few different iterations for different headsets. Uh, and it is... 
Shane's notes. Oh, my word. Yeah, Shane, do you want to just Scan. look around? Just and keep scanning, yeah. Yeah, all around oh, you. I didn't turn around me, that's it. Yeah, there we go. Um, and this is basically, it's a, it's going to take you to a galaxy oh, far, far away. Lad. You're going to have jobs to do. You're going to have uh, missions to complete. You're going to talk to people who uh, look really, really weird. But if, if you are a Star Wars fan, this is what it's all about. This is going to bring you into that world. Uh, and I'm going to just stand up for a second so I can read the screen. Can you play this with, uh, if you wanted to play with one of your buddies or whatever, and you both jump on and play together? Is that a... Uh, you can, yeah. There is multiplayer. And it's also one of those yeah. games that is... Uh, um, it's a it's a long game. You're not going to finish this. You're not going to get oh, bored with it in nice. a few minutes' time. Uh, now, what <laughs> I would say. Oh, can I swear? I'm about to swear. Put your you earbuds in. Put the earbuds right, in. Sorry, there, where's the earbud? Just hanging down by your head here. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Just one. Yeah, yeah. God, you're oh, a bit wow. more like I thought Adrian was going to be. Sorry, Adrian was a very cool. I'm customer. not a gamer. I, I I'm not a gamer whatsoever. So this is a. Uh, I've wanted to go to space since I was a kid, so this is... Well, this is probably the... Dream come true. Who needs Cape Canaveral when you have Marconi House? Mm. But I do want to set, you know, Elon Musk-type expectations. If this fails, we will learn from it, and our next yeah. mission will be more successful. Oh, no losing, there's just learning. Exactly, but... That's oh, shit. <laughs> okay. Okay, so I need you to look directly ahead. Oh, my God, hold on. Can I take this? This is fucking... Oh, excuse me. <laughs> no, I've Apologies. Gone. Apologies yeah. for, uh, for all the little ears. Yeah, yeah. With your um, right hand, will you lift oh your right God. hand up? This is definitely more scary than Adrian's one. And will you go aim towards the play, so reach out to touch the play? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Try not to... Uh, do I press? Do I press a button? So you should be able to... Hang on, give me your hand for a second. Yeah, sure. So oh, sorry, you're going to feel the sweaty pans there. Oh, Jess, lovely. Though. Jesus, yeah. whipped. Uh, so you should be able to just reach your head. So you see... Oh, maybe it's with your left hand. Lift oh, your left hand up. Can you feel anything? Can you oh. see? So you see that orange line on the screen yeah, trying to get that to go to the play? Oh. That's really happening, Shane. Okay. I don't need launch, launch failure here. Well, yeah. yeah, if we can't actually get into the game to not, play not it, it's start. not going to go very well. No. Tell you what, I'm going to take your sweaty controller. Yeah, do please. I, I really wish you brought in some white. <laughs> I don't get paid enough for this crap. Uh, so I need you to look directly at the, wor the word play. Okay. Because it's, it's using the eye calibration. Yeah. So is it... I'm looking straight at it, yeah. Okay, hang on one second. Oh, oh we have some action. Okay, and then this one. Yeah. Uh, so as soon as we do this, you should be able to use your hands. There oh, we go. No, okay, so now we're cooking. Now we're cooking. Oh, your this hand is through it. Sorry, yeah. And I need you to touch out and press oh. the trigger button do you, on the do back. You need to go and get a, yeah. Do you need to go get a wet wipe or something. I, I just need to <laughs> cut my hands off. If somebody can bring in some corral right now, I would be be grateful. Oh, here we go. Okay, so here we go now. Long so time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Right. Okay. Now, if you obviously when we're off air, you can go and watch some of the gameplay on YouTube. It is fantastic. Sorry, this is way more realistic than I was expecting it to be. By the way. So look this, around you yeah so oh, whoa. again there's a bit of a glare on the screen but uh so shane is now in a broken uh ship oh. he is a mechanic and he looks after droids so i need you to kind of look around press the buttons to try and get your bearings for I'm what controls what well. <laughs> i might have to throw out grab. this whole console afterwards i'm just not <laughs> able oh, for the sweat. Uh, so there you, we go. You can grab things. Whoa. You can move around. I'm going to just move the other mic out of your way. Okay. Oh, God. This is... Sorry, this is mad. Colin's <laughs> just brought in Come some PRL so I don't have to chop my hands off, and yeah. I'm very grateful. Um, grab pouch. Okay. I so you'll see from the outset, right, you're on a ship. You are... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be grabbing Adrian here in a second. Oh, no. I fully thought you were going to fly this. Snap to chest. 
Does that mean? Bring it to my chest? Bring it to your chest, yeah. Right. Punch yourself in the chest, I think is what it's saying there. <laughs> now it says, punch yourself in the face. Snap your chest. <laughs> what does that mean, snap Okay, chest? I'm going to just keep talking because this yeah. is not going well. Uh, the idea is you're a mechanic and you are going to carry out some basic tasks here now to try and see if you can get used to the controls, which is proving quite difficult. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty difficult. I, uh, I can grab that, yeah. Go on. But just to warn you and to save you wetting yourself on camera, yeah, yeah. there is going to be an attack Oh. In a little while. I, oh. I think attack could happen soon. I think we'd all be. Come on, get up. You buy <laughs> It's not happening for you, Shane. I'm just trying to. Can, I wonder, can I use my oh, left uh, hand? Le- it's all about the left hand. Huh? Grab it with the left hand. There we go. Now we're talking. Go on. <laughs> oh, Shane, come on. Uh, how stupid do I look on a scale of 1 to 10 right now? I'd say about a thousand. I feel pretty stupid. Um, but I. F- <laughs> Once you get past these basic <laughs> levels that 12-year-olds can do really Probably easily... Probably going to get the space if I can't lift the second... Do you know what I found when I, when I did it last time, right? So, you know, in his head now, he's like... Looks like as if he feels as if he's grabbing that yeah. thing. And in reality, he looks like an oh, absolute Egypt. I had it there, is, yeah. And I look back at the last one, I was like... Because I really felt in that moment... Yeah. Of, I was doing... All, so, like, I was doing the canoeing. <laughs> yeah. And I felt as if I was going like this. Yeah. And in reality, I was just like the hands... Moving around slightly. Oh. Yeah, Shane kind of looks like he's uh, scanning. He's I using one of those self-scanners things in the supermarket. Just press this button, Jess. Yeah, that's it. To yeah, to grab. Um Grab and hold, grab and hold. Grab and hold. Once you do that, once you get through these basic levels, you then will go outside and start meeting other characters like C-3PO and you will be given a mission. Within about two hours of gameplay, it's a long walk to get to the exciting (laughs) bit of this game. (laughs) Get up here. Uh, Teleport. Oh, why, right? I think you've done something. Right. What do we do here now? Teleportation. Teleportation. I don't know. Uh, Star Wars, so many to choose from. Uh, I presume I have to do something with What are you hearing in your lug holes? I'm just hearing a little bit of music. Right. Uh, nice kind of elevator music. Elevator music, yeah. Teleport. What should you be doing there, Jess? Is this like. um, So is there on the screen. So hang on, look. If you. Oh, you did something. So you've got different buttons there that you can push. It's not all just about the trigger button. Oh, that's up high. So use your. Oh, lads. (laughs) Okay, yeah. You need to stand up. No, oh, it's set for sitting down mode. Down. And this is another good thing about the PSVR is that you can set it to work with the space oh, that you have. Sorry, so if you want to stand up or if you want to walk around, you can do so. But as I was oh. saying, there's a long walk to get to the action. If you think you're going to oh. put this headset on and just suddenly meet Darth Vader and have a whale of a time, that's Sorry for anyone who thinks this is a terrible listen, but I'm having a whale of a time. Uh, well, that is good from the, uh, you know... Yeah, several thousand people that are currently engaged. Yeah. In as long as you're having fun, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And now I'm in a, the, the room feels more spacious now, and I feel like I should be standing up. Well, you can stand if you want, but see that that little floating yeah, thingy. Yeah, I'm supposed to get over to that. Yeah, I feel like I'm too far away from it. So use you can use the little joy cons on the thing. On oh, God, oh, you're really whoa. not a gamer. I'm re- like I'm I, when I say I'm not a gamer, I'm really not a gamer. I honestly thought when I pitched this slot that Adrian you'd be the Aegis. I think I think we should have just left it with me, Jess, to be honest with you. I, I think so now too. It's space, Adrian. This is all. Here we go. But we're not going to get to space because it takes two so hours. So. Anybody is actually listening to this. Shane yep. is here and he's got his stuff on him. He's got his handsets in. Which direction he's is Adrian? He's clawing at the where wall here. Where, what, what, where is you're my about right to hit the TV. Within the boundaries of the you're studio. You're about to hit the TV. Where, right, oh, I'm, I'm about to hit the TV. That's right? the TV now. Jeez, I did not he's think it was. clawing at a grid in front of him, which have, uh, it has eight boxes sort of lit up. Oh, hang on. Something's happening. Something has happened Oh, here. I've got closer to this. Oh, yeah. he's, and he's been trying to grab... Not my laptop, yeah. This is your laptop. Ouch, off the table for the last, what seems like Again, about a half an hour. A bit more he's forward. now grabbing the Braeburn Cup. Good man. That's Am I? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is fucking mad. Right, guys, what the hell? 
I keep. I just keep getting further away from. Uh, I know your cha- your view is changed. Oh, you can see see three right. PO over there. No, I'm touching my laptop again. It feels like. Okay, I'm gonna close your laptop. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Fair. Uh, I'm gonna knock something over. Just uh, it's like the toy show. Column says, yeah, you're, you're not wrong. It's like the toy show, except for the one that's just not working. I think anyone who's impressive. going for the late late show job should come in and sit through this. Which uh, yeah, experience uh, this because Children if I ever wanted the gig, actually. I do not. It is. Come on now, Shane. Oh my God. But it, it, like I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm doing everything. You're never going to make it as an astronaut doing. if you can't well, play a game that's on. suitable from twelve and up. Come on. Okay, like, <laughs> what are you doing now? That's a good question. <laughs> so, over what are you there, supposed to? What do you expect to do? You have to tr- basically. You're trying to get out of the space that you're in. So right, yeah, yeah, you go yeah. through it like through a door, or yeah. yeah. See, Adrian just had the feckin' canoe. Ah, uh, you see, you say that if you'd have been trying to paddle your own canoe, you'd have been go through all these steps to get. Uh, oh, I had plenty to do. Don't worry about that. You did. You didn't really. <laughs> Come on. I think this is a this is a level. Let's call a spade a spade. <laughs> anyway, this is not a great demo of this game, but it, it is a good game if you are a Star Wars fan, if you are really interested in getting to play with lightsabers and all the rest. But as I said, you do have to go through about two hours of gameplay. <laughs> <laughs> before you hit well, a I mic. Think, my think question what is, what, what, like, what should I be doing differently, I wonder here? Because all I'm doing is reaching out, pressing the button that I should be pressing. That's my you microphone. You need to move forward, forward a little bit. <laughs> so m- m- walk yourself forward, walk around that object that's in your yeah. way, maybe. Yeah. It's been a, a pretty so, much oh, a non-medicated wow. disaster. Very shape, close to this thing now. Right, do something, come on. Straight in at number two on uh, Shane's year of... Things that haven't gone according to plan for him. Yeah, this is number one on my list, I have to say. Um, I, while all this is going on, I do want to mention oh, Derek Smith, Nocton, and uh, the addition that he's been to the team. He's out there vision mixing currently this morning. He's played all sorts of roles on AM over the last number of months, and uh, he's been a fantastic addition to the team over that period of time. Uh, exceptional on and off air as well so um, he had plenty of guests to the book Anthony Ford during the week was the latest of those so Dara uh, it's not the last we've seen yet but um, for the minute thanks a million good man cheers Dara fair play to you Calvin man too applause outside good man Calvin man well, we won't hold that against him yeah. Um, that's my opinion of sufficiently people. enough time for Shane to, to have now been out of the I have to say I, I'm impressed but I, so obviously I'm I think clear, somebody is I'm, I'm clearly hell. butchering I'm clearly butchering the whole thing here but I actually right, yeah. have to say it's, uh, it's very impressive in terms of visuals and realistic feel somebody says here use the force Shane use the force well, I like that I'm having that Jesse can we swap him out for somebody else for the next time anybody. I'm in yeah, yeah. like literally anybody do you want to swap me now Adrian actually Adrian here put this on and try it right and this is sorry just so I just I'm not worse than the crappy quiz yeah yeah, put this on. Oh, wow. You don't That's have time for me to do this, do no, we? No, no, throw no. It on, throw no. it on. No. I, wa- I want you to experience what, what I just experienced. Go on. He, he has to. Because you, then, at le- then at least I won't get um, criticised for being the only useless one in, in the group. It is pretty well, cool. I'm not really... It's like, I'm back to square one here, and I don't think we need to put our viewers Trans, through. Know, or me, also, yeah. just saying. I'm, no, I think that's fair. Got this one as well, Adrian. Yeah. I don't know, am I in the right way or wrong way here? Yeah, I'm going to have to narrate for you here, Adrian, uh, as well. You don't have a pals. So. Hang on, the other I one isn't. It's the wrong way around, isn't it? It's, um, so it's mad. So hang it's on. mad. Adrian, I just wanted you to experience this, because I, I, um, I can't be the only one that, that will struggle. Do you feel a bit queasy now, Shane? Like, at the start, I was very queasy. I was like, How I, do I, uh, I wanted to take it off. No. Set the player in again. No, 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 it'll just take a sec. You see, it's going to take ages, because... Yeah, no, I think we just abandoned ship here at this stage, because... Uh, well, I'm so glad I put oh, so back, much time and effort in now. This is great. You're back in. You're back in. He's back in now. See, the, no, the, 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 this is the only thing I wanted him to experience. The reaching out and aimlessly pressing. Okay, just make sure he doesn't knock over one of Joe Malloy's many awards. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's plenty of them. Yeah, that's true. 
Uh, so it, you see, now you now you understand. It's It's like he's on drugs. Yeah, like he's yeah. just looking at a pen. So he's trying to reach out and grab with his left hand that that same thing I was trying to grab. But now you can see my difficulty. The empathy is the best thing. The empathy is all I wanted, to be honest. So you again the trigger button on the back, yeah. Yeah. To use it like your hands. Try and use. This one, like. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Says, says I from all my experience. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. So yeah, no, that doesn't really seem to happen. A lot of ner- there was a lot of nervous energy with me there. I have to say, that's why I, th- I wasn't sure if it was. If it was. Just um, it me. is a very cool interface. It looks when you're on the inside. I do appreciate what Shane is saying. Now it does look very cool. It's very hard to when you're watching it on the TV here, or even from myself and Jess's position before me putting this thing on. It's not as cool. It's certainly not. Oh, as there's cool. penguins. <laughs> but, the, the, like, there are cool scenes in it, right? Let's not let this be the, the review of this game. Just no. to, to clarify, once you get out of this room, because you can actually do it, believe it or not, uh, you do get that sensation of flying through space. When I played it at home, I kind of sat back into my chair because you, there's like this imaginary force that wishes oh. you back. Uh, then you get out, you get to meet uh, C-3PO, you get given missions, you get to do a bit of fighting. Overall, these types of games are not my favourite types of game because people come out of nowhere and try and shoot and I just don't want to be shot on See, any given day. I, at least I've made a bit of motion. Oh, look, look at you. See look, 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 look. Yeah. yeah. See? I'm Whoa, right, right, right. You, right this, you're going through time. a wormhole here or a black hole. You were at least. Yeah, you still are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is so time is like going slower for Adrian. Of the essence. I'm feeling every second of this. Yeah, so, yeah. You well, know. I, I, you know, I think I've made a bit of progress here. A little bit of progress. Um, oh, there's, there's a planet. Sort of, is that Earth? Can I, can I walk a little bit? Can you bit? walk up and press the red oh, button? On the d- right. Yeah, there we go. Push it. Now we're getting somewhere. Whoa, space and time. <laughs> yeah. You are mine. <laughs> time what is a construct What's happening of human I, perception. I'd like to get out there. How do I get out there? It would be pretty cool. Make sure you have your suit on before you go out there. Oh, it's telling me something in Russian there. New mission, mission entry. Review mission objective. Sweet. Right, here we go. No now, this is vibrating here. Okay, so you have to do something with that. So tap the screen again, tap the button, engage with the game. Yeah, I hear you, Jess. I hear you barking. Can you hear my tone as well? I can definitely pick up on the tone. Is that coming across loud and clear? Yeah, I was getting that tone as well, but I understand it. Yet you're still doing the same thing. Yes, there we go. You you definitely pressed it there. I have pressed the button, which, let's face it... Okay, so you have to look down at where it says review the mission objective, and then you have to try and push to get the mission. So it's telling you to use, is the trigger button? Yeah. Little button. Do the trigger? You're nearly there. Yeah, keep pressing that button because that seems like fun. <laughs> that seems I've like got a meeting in six minutes, you guys. Like <laughs> oh, this button, that, that, oh, there we go. Right, the deck hand. I, I, I will just take whatever it is. Get that, to the cargo that, loading area. Yeah, okay. So Time to get to active work. Active mission. What, yeah. what do I do? So that's what you have to do. You have to try and get to the cargo loading area. Use the data grip on your wrist to navigate to the cargo loading area. Beep, beep. <laughs> Hello. Oh, this How is fantastic. How do I? <laughs> I'm so glad it's you doing this again, not me. Well, like, a very shame. He I'm did better than nice. you. Yeah, yeah, you can't yeah. be that small, my friend. I could press one of these, could I? I'd say you could now. Look at the state of this. You're doing, you're doing all right, Adrian. I have to say. Listen, this I'm is going to be a great podcast. There's something under here. Look, what's this? Do? Oh, I have something here. See, I, active mission, right? Like, yeah. I'll take that. <laughs> Oh, if I just press this button, that was a loud, that, that was a loud bang. By the way, uh, we have medical. I'd like to be out there. How do I get out there? Is you have to complete missions. This isn't just, just about. Oh, I look, want. this is sending me back. Okay, no. So, I don't want to quit. 
Send me out. Travel. Travel, yeah. Fast travel not available. Uh, you have to complete a mission before you get out. Bit of slow so travel. how do I do that? So click on that. This? Yeah. Now click on that. Oh, yeah. The bottom left, is it? There's a wee blue thing, maybe. Oh. Active mission. No. Um, no. Okay, so hang on. What does that say? I can't read because my... Get to the cargo loading area. Time to get to work. 4X needs your help. Use the data grip on your wrist to navigate to the cargo loading area. Okay, so the press... Is this the data grip? That's the one. So I assume you just press um, <laughs> something on that. That looks, that looks about right. Or maybe press the button on your controller. You see the arrow on your wrist, on your left wrist. The arrow on my left. I look at your this left. One, yeah. yeah. Press that. Is oh, that allowing yeah. you to do that? Not really. Are you pushing a button as you're trying to press? I'm pressing the button on my right hand to see if I could. I mean, that might be an absolutely. Ludicrous. Are you doing the trigger button or are you doing the X button? I'm doing the trigger. This one here, this trigger button. Okay, try and do the X button. Which one is the X? This one. Okay, are we time, Colin? Can we go? You didn't sign up for this That's 12 good. years ago, did you? Absolutely not. And I'm delighted this is how okay. I'm spending my work anniversary. <laughs> well, I'm sure I'm facing the camera. So thanks very much for joining us on OTBAM this morning. It's been a pleasure having you. Um, we've had so many great slots over the course of the morning. Uh, Jess, thank you for coming in. There's an oh, no, thank you. In the studio today. Shane, thanks. enjoy your weekend. Cheers, Adrian. Good thanks man. a million. Monaghan Derry in Oma tomorrow, yeah. Looking forward to it. Okay, and uh, thanks to everybody in the production box. Keith, what's up next? Lots more uh, coming up later on today. Keith, what's up next? Good luck. See you later. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.